106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. By June, President Trump irresponsibly continued to refuse to wear a mask despite the public health guidance from his own experts. Was that superb? Yes or no? Which guidance? The earlier guidance that the masks wouldn't work? You know exactly the guidance that we're talking about. The CDC and Dr. Fauci in April recommended that the American people wear a mask but Donald Trump has become the poster boy for the anti-mask okay, movement. Donald, Donald Trump has probably tested more than any other human being on the face of yeah, the earth. Mr. Barr, the answer is the refusal to wear a mask is not superb. Um, I'm Dr. Stella Emanuel. I'm a primary care physician in Houston, Texas. You know, um, I actually uh, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, where I took care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, patients that have um, asthma, old people. I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one. Not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington, D.C. to say, America, nobody needs to die. The, 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 the study that made me start using hydroxychloroquine was a study that they did in, under the NIH in 2005. That say it works. Recently, I was doing some research about a patient that had hiccups, and I found out that they even did a recent study in the NIH, which is our national institute, um, that is the, the national, NIH, national Institute of, of Health. They actually had a study, I'm going to look it up, type hiccups and COVID. You will see it. They treated a patient that had hiccups with hydroxychloroquine, and it proved that COVID is a symptom of, hydrox of, of uh, hiccups. It's a symptom of, of COVID. So if the NIH knows that treating the patient with hydroxychloroquine proves that hiccup is a symptom of COVID, then they definitely know that hydroxychloroquine works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in. I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay, you're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically it's fake science. I want to know who is sponsoring that study. I want to know who is behind it. Because there is no way I can treat 350 patients and counting and nobody is dead and they all did better. And then you're going to tell me that you treated 20 people, 40 people and, and it didn't work. I'm a true testimony. So I came here to Washington, D.C., to tell America, nobody needs to get sick. 
This virus has a cure. It is called hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and zitromax. I know you people want to talk about mask. Hello? You don't need mask. There is a cure. I know they don't want to open schools. No, you don't need to, people to be locked down. There is prevention and there is a cure. And let me tell you something. All you fake doctors out there that tell me, oh yeah, I want a double-blinded studies. I just tell you, speak sounding like a computer, double-blinded, double-blinded. Is your, I don't know whether your chips are malfunctioning, but I'm a real doctor. I have radiologists. We have plastic surgeons. We have neurosurgeons like Sanjay Gupta saying, oh yeah, it doesn't work and it causes heart disease. Let me ask you, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, hear me. Have you ever seen a COVID patient? Have you ever treated anybody with hydroxychloroquine and they died from heart disease? When you do, come and talk to me. Because I sit down in my clinic every day and I see these patients walking every day, scared to, scared to death. I see people driving two, three hours to my clinic because some ER doctor is scared of the Texas board or they are scared of something and they will not prescribe medication to these people. I tell all of you doctors that are sitting down and watching Americans die. You're like the good Nazi, the good what? The good Germans that watch Jews get killed and you do not speak up. If they come after me, they threaten me. They've threatened to, I mean, I've gotten all kinds of threats. Oh, they're going to report me to the boards. They're going to, I say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to let Americans die. And if this is the mountain, if this is the hill where I get nailed on, I will get nailed on it. I don't care. You can report me to the board. You can kill me. You can do whatever. But I'm not going to let Americans die. And today I'm here to say it, that America, there is a cure for COVID. All this foolishness, it's not, does not need to happen. There is a cure for COVID. There is a cure for COVID. It's called hydroxychloroquine. It's called zinc. It's called Zitromax. And it is time for the grassroots to wake up and say, no, we're not going to take this any longer. We're not going to die. Because let me tell you something. When somebody is dead, they are dead. They're not coming back tomorrow to have an argument. They're not coming back tomorrow to discuss the double-blinded study and the data. Here we go, sweeties. I'm a mom, but that doesn't mean I don't like to have fun. I drive a minivan, but I can let loose a little too. <laughs> I want to use heroin, but I also want to get stuff done. That's why I reach for Heroin AM, the only non-drowsy heroin on the market, so I can get jacked on Skag and then get to work. When I would call timeout to inject black tar heroin, there was almost a stigma about it. But with Heroin AM, I'm almost more alert than if I weren't on heroin. <laughs> Heroin use in America is steadily on the rise, but productivity among heroin users has remained stagnant. That's why Heroin AM combines heroin with five milligrams of caffeine and a small pile of cocaine. And now available in gummy bears, which you can melt down and inject. <laughs> Side effects include, it's heroin. So, all that stuff. So now I can chase the dragon while I also chase this little guy. I'm going to get you. <laughs> wow, this might be the first afternoon mom doesn't need a nap. <laughs> Heroin AM, from the makers of Cocaine PM. I went from nodding off to nodding yes to more heroin. Now who's ready for school? Yeah! 
This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio. And this is our 70th episode. And this is appearing on August 1, 2020. Welcome back. And uh, if you're new to us, I'll give you a couple hints on how this is going to go down today. Um, We do six 20-minute segments with some clips in between. Some people like the clips better than they do me, but we just kind of sandwich the two of us together. Uh, we, you can get a hold of me really easy if you want at nohostagesradio.com. You just have add Lou, L-O-U, at in the front of it, Lou at nohostagesradio.com. That will get to me. I will. I will respond to you. And I check that uh, every day. To I don't get a huge amount of emails uh, on that site, uh, but uh, at that address. But I do get some just for the radio show, or for the podcast. And uh, I do check into them and respond to everyone. You can also uh, dial me up at five three zero seven one three one eight three eight five three zero seven one three one eight three eight. You can text me and I can give you a call back or you can just leave a message if you happen to get me when I'm on the other line or in a meeting. Uh, at the website, nohostagesradio.com, uh, you can get past episodes uh, all the way back to episode one, as well as uh, some articles that I write for a local newspaper here in Northern California called Territorial Dispatch. So you can also, uh, uh, some of you may just be going on your podcast source and finding us over here, over there at No Hostage Radio. So however you got there, great. Uh, let your friends know if you think they would be entertained or, you know, informed, entertained. We do a little bit of both. Uh, so we're happy to have them here. And we'll just keep at this f- until uh, something else comes along that's uh, more interesting or it's just time to be over. Um I wanted to start off, I had this last week, and I just didn't get around to it, but I thought it was good. It's supposedly, you know, a lot of things you get, uh, you you really don't know who wrote them. But I always look at the merits of what's in there. There's a lot of good information here. Uh, it's a called an open letter to Democrats. Uh, so I'm going to read this to you. Uh, I thought it was pretty thought-provoking. So this guy says, or this lady, whichever it is, says, I have a few questions for you. Let me start with, I already know who you don't like. That's President Trump. That's a given. So let's move on from that. How about the division of America? Do you really blame Trump for that? How about when none of the Democrats showed up for his inauguration? Don't you think that started some division? He hadn't even been president yet. And except for Clinton and Obama... Not one Democrat showed up. Is that when Trump actually divided America? Can you imagine if the Republicans didn't show up for Obama's inauguration because they lost? Can you even start to imagine what would have happened then? How about when 19 minutes after Trump was inaugurated, the Washington Post declared the impeachment campaign has started? Was that when Trump actually divided America? How about when Nancy Pelosi ripped up Trump's State of the Union right in front of the world, showing complete disrespect for the president of the United States? Did that bring the country together? And is that when Trump divided America? 
How about when America had to endure three years and over $30 million spent on trying to prove that Trump only won because of Russian collusion and not because Americans voted him in and 17 Democrats did everything in their power to prove that there was Russian collusion and came up with zero. Was that when Trump divided America? I can't even start to go over the negative press he's received since his surprise win. Remember the donors like Bloomberg, who gave $27 million, Steyer, who gave $17 million, Soros, who gave $9 million, and many more that gave multi-millions to Hillary. They all wanted a return on their investment. Do you really think that donors give millions upon millions of dollars just because they love Hillary? No, these weren't campaign donations. They were investments into what Hillary had promised them when she became president. They were so sure she would win that they would be showered with huge returns. And when it didn't happen and they lost all those millions, they went all out to take Trump out of office by any means possible. Did you know that 90% of the mainstream media and corporations that own them are owned by or run by big Democrat donors? You can verify all this for yourselves. I did. Since the moment Trump won, even before he was inaugurated, the mainstream media's reporting was 92% negative on Trump. Do you know why? It was because or it was the, those big donors that lost their dream of millions of dollars on their returns when they were going to receive uh, that they were going to receive when Hillary was president and they weren't going to take that loss lightly. They needed to punish Trump and those that voted him in. I've said this since that night he was elected. There is nothing the left won't do to take down our president, our country and us. No, no low that they won't go to to get their power back. And sadly, we have seen this every single day since the election. Let me ask you this. Have you ever listened to Trump or appreciated any accomplishment or campaign promises he's kept? Have you ever gone to one of the rallies or have you just closed your mind to anything he actually does? Please ask yourself the following questions if you dare. What has Joe Biden done for America for the last 47 years that he's held in office. What did Joe Biden ever do for blacks when he and Obama were in office? What has Joe Biden ever done in his entire life to create a private sector job? What has Joe Biden done to help the American middle-class worker? Let me also ask you this. Why do you think there are so many people tearing down statues and burning flags beating up police officers, disrespecting our founders, and hating our country. It comes straight from our schools that have slowly been tearing down our history. If there is a teacher out there, please tell me the following. Do you teach the truth that it was, a Demo that it was de Democrats that were the KKK? That the grand leader of the KKK was Senator Robert Byrd, who was elected to Congress and served for decades, and that it was Hillary, Bill, and Obama that gave his eulogy praising him. Yet he was one of the leaders of the KKK at one time in his life. Or that the Democrats fought the Civil War to keep slavery. That the inner city ghettos were created by Democrats to keep control of slaves after they were free. That Planned Parenthood was founded in the inner cities to control the black population. Is any of this in your history books out there in the schools 
let me ask you this as well. Can a student speak up when he or she disagrees with a teacher when they say that Trump is a horrible president or the Electoral College has to be eliminated? Don't think so. Well, I know a student that actually that happened to when a teacher said it had to be eliminated because Hillary lost and he stated the reason it should stay. She ripped him apart and gave the entire class a five hour test and stated it was because he dared to disagree with her. Is that happening in your schools? I'm only asking questions. I just like some answers. President Trump and his entire family has been vilified, demeaned, disrespected for one reason and one reason only. He won an election. Have you noticed that Democrats only throw tantrums and object to everything he does and have never once gotten behind him to make America the best it can be? Why? They can't afford to get behind him. He might win again. And they can't let that happen. If he wins again, the Democrat Party will be destroyed and they know it. Did you ever notice that the cages, the left claimed that Trump built to put illegal children in were built actually by Barack Obama for the very purpose of putting illegal children in them? Was that all over the news when Obama did it? The very same cages, but the media was silent. How about when Trump commuted Roger Stone's sentence and was demonized 24-7, but not a word when Obama commuted 1,715 inmates? which included 330 that he granted on his last day in office. Did we even hear one word about that? Were the reporters even reporting it? No. Just look at the difference in the reporting. By the way, since Trump's been in office, he's commanded, commuted 10 people. Compared that, compare that to Obama. Is the reporting fair? How about when Biden and Obama allowed the H1N1, the swine flu, to infect millions of Americans before declaring it a health emergency? Was the press losing its mind and calling it the Obama flu or blaming Obama and Biden for the spread? Silence. Compare this to the negative coverage that Trump got when he immediately halted travel from China when in February Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown and said, come on down. Or when de Blasio in March said, ride the subways and go to Broadway. But those same people are blaming Trump for the spread of the coronavirus. A final question. What have the Democrats done to help make America the best to get behind a president that works tirelessly to care about we the people instead of using us as political pawns? What have the Democrats done for the people of color except for giving illegal illegals more rights than citizens and having us pay for it? Just imagine what the country could accomplish if the Democrats worked with him on the economy, the virus, the inner cities where he's created opportunity zones, job training, etc. When Trump tried to create or tried to get school choice for inner city students, they ran Betsy DeVos right out of the schools. The Dems running those inner city schools wanted no part of school choice. Have you ever wondered why it's cities that have been run for decades that have the most homeless, the most crime, the most murders, the worst inner city schools are all run by Democrats? If you have started asking yourselves those questions, maybe you should. 
As I said, my entire family used to be Democrats, but not one will ever vote for a Democrat again. They ask themselves the same questions, and the answers are very clear. Now, this is an interesting list that's been compiled, and I'm just going to give you a list from A to Z of cities that are rioting and the mayor's name. They're all 100% Democrat. Asbury Park, John Moore, Atlanta, Kelsha Lance Bottoms, Atlantic City, Frank Gilliam, Boston, Martin Walsh, Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, Columbus, Andrew Ginther, Dallas-Fort Worth, Eric Johnson, Des Moines, Frank Crowney, Denver, Michael Hancock, Detroit, Mike Dugan, D.C., Muriel Browser, Houston, Sylvester Turner, L.A., Eric Garcetti, Louisville, Greg Fisher, Memphis, Jim Strickland, Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, New York, Bill de Blasio, Phoenix, Kate Gallego, Portland, Ted Wheeler, and Sacramento, Daryl Steinberg. All Democrats, all allowed Black Lives Matter to tear up their cities. However, for the, the rallies or the demonstrations, the peaceful demonstrations, fulfilling the uh, First Amendment, our right to assemble, I've been to four or five in Sacramento. The first one was permitted by the government. If you have to go to the government for a permit, you don't have a right. Do you understand that? I have a friend that uh, moved from Marysville to uh, Hagerman, Idaho. I think there's under 800 people there. And he went to the building department, and uh, he said he wanted to put a, an outbuilding uh, behind his place. I don't know if it was a garage or a storage area or something. Whatever he wanted, he went in to get a permit, which you'd have to do in California. And the guy said, why are you asking me that? Uh, it's your property. Do whatever you want. That's a right. If you have to go in and ask for permission to do something on your property, that is not a right. You're getting permission from the government. The government in the um, Bill of Rights never indicated that you have to get a permit to have a gun, a permit to carry a concealed weapon, a permit to gather with a bunch of your friends or foes or just people you don't even know to protest the government. The Constitution doesn't not say that we um, can display our unhappiness with government by burning the buildings down or destroying cop cars or blinding or killing cops. That's criminal behavior. People should be arrested or just shot. I remember in the early days when I was raised in Marysville, <clears throat> I've been through three floods here uh, in this Yuba County, Sutter County area of Northern California. We have two rivers. If you don't live up here, you have, we have two rivers that meet right down where these two cities, Yuba City, Marysville, are sister cities. We have two uh, rivers that in the summertime they look pretty lazy. But in the wintertime, uh, both of them come out of the Sierra Nevada mountain range, and if there's a lot of snowpack and you get a kind of a warm rain and a lot of rain, you can get a big gush of water and have a flood down here. And I can remember uh, when they had forced evacuations out of the city, and they the law enforcement said that they let the word get out, no social media back then, 
But the word got around that if any looters were found in the city, they would be shot. Uh, Interesting, right? Shot. So uh, what's going on today is things that are good are being said to be bad and things that are bad are being said to be good. So the media is calling peaceful protesters the ones that are actually harming people, killing people, smashing the windows out of people that are just driving down the street, uh, beating up old people, beating vulnerable people, five, six, ten people attack one person, and light buildings on fire, etc. I mean, I could just go on and on, but I don't want to take the whole show. My point is those are criminal acts. That is not protesting, and that is not legal. That is not justified by the Constitution. It's not protected by the Constitution. What's been protected by the Constitution is what's been going on at the freedom rallies put on by the uh, freedom angels. And, uh, but because we're not in support of Gavin Newsom, they put up fences to keep us off the lawn while we have to stand in the street or on a sidewalk out in the sun. And also uh, they have hundreds of highway patrolmen at different times. I don't know what they do it nowadays at the last rally, but they have been wearing riot gear. And at one time, they arrested 32 people, and one of the charges was we didn't keep social distancing. Now, that is not a law. It's interesting. I uh, Last weekend, um, in fact, this weekend, I'll be over in Reno teaching new trauma intervention program volunteers, and I'm glad I'm driving because I don't want to, although I got lots of free flights on Southwest because I've flown so much over the years. I flew on Southwest. It was a horrible experience. Um, We got there, so that was good. But uh, it was just a hassle because every single person in four different airports, Sacramento, Denver, Boise, and Las Vegas on my different hops, everybody was forced to wear a mask. And they tried to force everybody to wear one on the flight. And so that got to be an issue with me. And I don't want to waste a lot of time just talking about the back and forth. But what was really interesting is when I talked to them about not being able to breathe well, they said, hey, well, we don't care about that. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I, I would be the one that would be caring about that. I'm not so worried about you caring about me. She said, we'll, t- we'll keep an eye on you, right, as if they're a doctor, right? and they're going to keep an eye on you and bring me some oxygen, right? And we'll keep an eye. Just put that mask on until we get off the ground, and then you can take it off if you want to have a drink of water or something like that, right? And then the captain came on or the pilot came on, whatever you want to call him, and and there wasn't any announcement on any of the other flights I was on. And uh, and I didn't really create a disturbance, but the guy came on and said, it's a state law in the, in the state of California and Nevada, which we were flying between, that you must wear a mask. Now, honestly, people, that guy may know how to fly a plane, but he's just like a little robot or a little pussy repeating what he's been told or lying or trying to force people to do things or try to snooker people. No, I know a lot of those people on that plane that were wearing masks realize that it is not a state law. A state law is something that the legislature, somebody writes a bill, they debate it through committee, they vote on it, vote on it, vote on it through both houses, and then if they get positive votes and it gets signed by the governor, then it becomes a law. That's a law. The governor standing up and saying stuff does not mean Jack uh, if he doesn't have a right to say that. 
and make a law. You just can't make a law out of thin air. That's called a dictator. And so uh, the disappointing thing is that uh, our our uh, society has become complicit with dictators, people that just declare stuff and said, if you don't do it, I'm going to I'm going to take your kids. If you don't do it, I'm going to take your license. If you don't do it, I'm going to shut your business down. If you don't do it, I'm going to cut off your power and and your water. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Right. You can't go to work. You can't go here. You can't go buy groceries unless you wear a mask or you do this or you take a vaccine or something. That's called dictatorship. We'll be right back. We're at the end of our first segment. And just let me switch it up here and we'll start again. What a shame. seems to be going right. What a shame. And today I just want to ask a few questions, that's all. And uh, I'm just going to rapid fire whatever comes to my brain. Uh, why? Let's start out with why. Why is Bill Gates, who is unelected and not a doctor, allowed to speak on a worldwide platform, yet people who are doctors are being censored on YouTube? Why is Twitter going out of their way to ban people like me who are simply showing you studies of showing how effective hydroxychloroquine is against COVID? Why is Instagram threatening to delete my account if I keep talking about hydroxychloroquine? Why do they get to decide what is allowed to be talked about and what isn't? Why did Facebook limit my account with a quarter million followers to being seen by less than a thousand on every post now? Why would the left be so against a drug that is safe, cheap, and proven to be effective? Why did Dr. Fauci in 2017 tell us all that there was no doubt that there would be a surprise infectious disease outbreak under the Trump administration? Why is Dr. Fauci still telling us to wear masks when just over a month ago he told us they didn't work? People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. Why does the government get to decide which jobs are essential and which jobs are non-essential when all of us need to feed our families? Why, if the masks work the way the experts say that they do, are we releasing prisoners, including child rapists, out of prison when we could just give them a mask? And why are we jailing business owners instead? Why did flattening the curve turn into finding the cure all of a sudden? Why is going to a crowded Walmart okay, but going to a beach with a bunch of open space is not? Why is it okay to go to Planned Parenthood still to get an abortion, but not okay to go to church on Sundays? Why are liquor stores seen as essential, but gun stores are not? Why is it okay to use the same dirty checkout pad as everybody else at an essential store, but not okay to go to the gym where it's heavily sanitized? Why did the Dems block and delay the stimulus package so they could add an extra bullshit that's not even related to relief aid for Americans? 
Why did this fluke virus just randomly appear right after impeachment flopped for the Democrats? Why did the Democrats push the everything is fine narrative in the beginning of all this? The speaker is urging people to come out again and not be afraid. Also to say to everyone, you should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, we know that there's a concern about tourism traveling all throughout the world. Uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. Why did the Democrats criticize Trump when he closed down travel to China? Why did the Democrats turn around and say he didn't act fast enough? Why are the Democrats saying it's offensive to say the virus came from China? Why are Democrats backing that communist country? Why did Como push elderly patients who tested positive for COVID back into the elderly homes with those who are most susceptible? That is murder. Why did the CDC conflate the COVID deaths with flu deaths and pneumonia deaths to bump up the totals? Why are the COVID tests returning positive on pawpaw fruits and other animals? Why are the Democrats pushing so hard for mail-in ballots when we all know that those are the easiest to tamper with? Why would it be okay to stand six feet apart at a Costco but not at a voting booth? Why is the left okay with Fauci wanting certificates of immunity for every single American against the coronavirus, but Trump wanting mandatory voter IDs to make sure we know who's voting in our elections is somehow racist? Why is it okay to shut down the entire nation and destroy our economy over a virus that is similar to the flu? Why is it okay to shut down the entire nation over something affecting less than 1% of our population, yet when vaccines kill or injure 1% of our population, it's just a small percentage, and it's for our safety, right? Why? If hydroxychloroquine is so dangerous, and the left hates President Trump so much, why are they so upset that he's taking this drug and sharing that information with the rest of the world? Wouldn't you think they'd be happy about that? Why won't the media address Joe Biden and the way he fondles children? Why won't the media treat Tara Reid, Joe Biden's sexual assault accuser, the same way they treated President Trump and Judge Kavanaugh's sexual assault accusers when this one actually has evidence? Why won't the media address Joe Biden's obvious dementia, unless he's faking it? Senator Joe, I mean, no, no, but I mean, think of, I mean, it's not about, I, I know you're supporting by saying booing, but look, here's the deal. Union workers, the UAW took incredible cuts in their future. You don't have here in Miami, in Miami, in Florida. You don't have it here. And that is, if you keep an audience. All these breakthroughs we have with the whole, dealing with the whole, excuse me. Biden is angry. Everything's anger. Gee. I <laughs> And that's what happens when you can't get the words out. No, it doesn't. That's what happens, right? When you can't get the words out, you get angry. You get angry because you can't get the words out. It might happen to me someday. Can you imagine if that happened to me? Man, when I'd be a bad guy, I'd be the meanest man in history. Why won't the media address Joe Biden's self-admitted quid pro quo with Ukraine, saying he would withhold $1 billion if they did not fire the prosecutor looking into his son's illegal business practices? That was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the... 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference and said, no, I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. 
I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. Why is the left doing everything in their power to pervert our Constitution, insult our intelligence, and destroy this country? I'll tell you why. It's because this was never about our safety. This was about power, control, and the 2020 election. Everything rides on this election and the deep state knows it. If they can scare us into a second wave of this virus or something worse come fall so we can default to a mail-in ballot only, they know that that gives them their best chance to cheat and regain power and escape their punishment for crimes against humanity. And I'm putting that lightly. These are demonic human pieces of scum and they have to be defeated. So welcome back. Uh, I was talking about masks and all these kind of stuff, social distancing. Uh, no matter how many times, in fact, I just reading the, we have a local paper here. It used to come out week uh, daily. Now it does, I can't even figure out when it comes out, but it comes out a few times a week. But they were saying in there, they were interviewing the local health official and people from Adventist Hospital and different folks. And they were saying, hey, uh, masks really are the thing that's been keeping this virus down. They were crediting it to masks and and all these kind of things. And they were doing that without any evidence whatsoever. In fact, they were ignoring the fact that there's a huge a battery of uh, medical professionals as well as mask professionals that say they're full of baloney. And and uh, and so what they I notice they've done is if you don't want to wear a mask, then they say, well, you're not being compassionate towards your fellow man. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the one if they really believe that I'm at risk. Then they ought to feel bad about me. I'm not if they want to wear a mask and they want to cover their whole head, just like if I see a Muslim woman got her whole body, her whole head. I just feel bad for her because it's hot in there. I think I, I don't like think, oh, you shouldn't wear that. I thought, hey. You only live once. If you want to live, wear a deal where you just got a slit over your eyes and you're good with that. I thought, hey, you only you only live once. Get some wood on the ball. Uh, you know, I, my, my goal is to get out of the house with some clothes on. That's a good one. Mask, not going to do that, right? Vaccine, not going to do that. And so, uh, but people come up with all these. I got a guy went off on me on the plane. Like, hey, put on your mask. I thought, what are you? You you the mask Nazi? Uh, but it's it's interesting how there's this pressure, pressure, pressure being put of conformity. When in America, it used to be used to be it used to be able to do what you wanted to do as long as you didn't violate the law. But don't tell me that a mask is a law or social distancing is a law. That's just some hocus pocus thing they came up with. In fact, there's no science. Just ask. The thing is, if you go to a store or you go to the state, they won't show you any science. In fact, right before this all started, the debate over masks, the federal government and their guidelines on breathing and working for the federal government and tight enclosed spaces and how much oxygen you need and all this kind of stuff, they have all the science dialed in in the federal government OSHA on how much oxygen you need and don't dare go below this amount of oxygen. And they said, if you wear a mask 
that can reduce your amount of oxygen to below the safe levels. Now, you'll hear all these people, oh, well, I just saw Dr. Lou said it in the paper. People wear masks in hospitals all day and don't have any problems. Hey, happy days to them. I don't keep track of all those people to see if they have a heart problem or get pleurisy or get something weird. My feeling is they want to wear a mask, happy days. What you can't do is just run, run around American society. That's what we're going to have a fight right now over. And there's going to be some bloodshed. And you think, oh, Lou, you're talking like out the top of your head. No, no, I'm not really doing that. What I'm telling you is what's really going to happen. You can't run around and go from a free society where people can choose to do this or choose to do that as long as they obey the basic laws that are based in the Constitution and then roll that back to the Bible. Because all the constitutional laws in the beginning, the Constitution was based right out of the Bible. If you've been taught different, you've been taught wrong. You've just been stupid. They stupidized you. Right. They dipped you in stupid and sent you out and gave you a certificate. Just because you have a graduation certificate does not mean you know anything. In fact, it can mean you're really stupid. Now, I just saw there's there's beginning right now because these schools aren't wanting to open because they can't get on the same page as the unions and the unions got the schools by the short hairs. And so they're making all kinds of demands. Like if you don't defund the police, we're not going to come back to work. Like if you you don't get fine sitting bowl and resurrect him from the dead and give him his ch- tribe back, we're not going to go back to work or something, 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 something. So there was a gal, Nevada County, just right up next to Yuba County, Nevada County just decided, hey, hey, I know you're protesting, you're all upset, but we're not going to go back to school. So kids are starting to announce and their parents that, okay, well, we're going to look for alternatives hate to do this, wanted to graduate from Nevada Union High School, wanted to play sports, wanted to be an FFA, wanted to be with all my friends, but, hey, life took a turn here. So people are making uh, decisions to go on, and I think it's a blessing because I think the, the school system sucks, big time sucks. I mean, the school system is a shadow, is is just a skeleton of what it was when I went to school. I knew a lot more. Uh, a, a basic understanding of this country, civics classes, had to pass constitution classes, how law was made, how this country got put together. They aren't teaching anything. In fact, they teach you to hate the country right now. So anyway, we're getting pressed to conform. Now, this isn't a pandemic. It's a plandemic. This thing has been rolled out by the deep state folks in the United States. And if you think, oh, Lou, this is all big coincidence. Fine. That's fine. You know, we all believe, you know, different things. And I'm just going to lay out what my view of it is. It's a pandemic, And the fact that there's a coin shortage and uh, there's no way, uh, according to some people, that we can ever have a normal society again without everybody being vaccinated, that this is a vicious, uh, deadly very contagious flu, which is 100% wrong. In fact, if you look at all the prognostications, all the predictions, all of them, I'm not saying most of them, all of them, they're all, they're all wrong. Fauci, do you ever notice Fauci looks like a mouse? Do you, know, do you notice that how people start to look like their pets? And lots of people have a dog that looks kind of like their face. Fauci has been in the lab too long. Fauci 
it's interesting. He was at, did you see the photo on the internet? Fauci was at a baseball game. He, they, th- they had him throw out the first pitch. There's no one in the stands. It's hilarious. So he's sitting with, uh, with, I assume his wife and another gentleman and Fauci has his mask down around his Adam's apple. And uh, so people criticized him and it just ticked him off. He said, I got to wear that damn mask all day. And I got to, you know, I got a right to take it off sometime. So he didn't even like the mask. Now I heard today, he's thinking we all ought to wear goggles. I think we, you know, those little hats with the little twirly thing, the little propeller on the top. I think we ought to have a little package deal where everybody can get one from Dr. Lou at the health department, a little deal with a little propeller on the top and little goggles, right? And in the mask. So I I can't, uh, you know, every day, they count up how many people have got it as if they just got it. The wording is so deceptive. So when they test these people that aren't even sick, they're just testing them to see if they have any antibodies in their system that show that, that, that uh, you know, it's kind of like <clears throat> if someone comes through your town and throws, throws their beer can out. You don't know who the person is. You just know that he's, lit- he's a litterer and somebody came through that wasn't from your town and they threw a beer can out. So when they find COVID in your system and you don't even know you had it, you weren't sick. They, basically, COVID came through and tossed a beer can out in your body. And it doesn't mean anything. You're not going to give it to anybody. In fact, I watched a lady from WHO, the World Health Organization, say that it's nearly impossible, extraordinarily rare, that an asymptomatic for you and Lyndon Oliver, so that means you got a trace of it in your system, but your immune system kicked its butt. And all all you got is it's uh, it's remnant in there, but you're not going to give it to anybody. But they're keeping track of them, so every time they find somebody that's got it in their system, oh my God, twenty five more. <clears throat> so if they went out today and checked people for herpes one or herpes two, you would find, oh my God, a hundred people had genital herpes. And then the next day, 150. Oh, my God, that's 250. And then when they get up to about out of 160,000 Yuba Sutter and they get about 100,000 of them got herpes, you might have a second thought if you don't have it, who you're going to have sex with. Now, that's a virus. Did you know that? We're really freaked out right now about a virus that has 99.99% recovery rate. But we're not freaked out about herpes. You would think Dr. Lou would carry in her pocket a big old wad of condoms and just be handing those out. Like I saw where Brandon Barnes in the sheriff's department was handing out masks last night. I thought you should be handing out condoms. That's where the danger is. People are going to be dying from hepatitis and or not from hepatitis, but uh, HIV. And from human papillomavirus, HPV, HIV, human papillomavirus brings genital warts and genital cancer. Did you know that? Do you know how many people have HPV? I want you to compare it with this little thing we're having right now where 99% are going to recover. 79 million Americans, most in their late teens and early 20s, are infected with HPV. Uh, There's no 
cure for it. Bill Gates did not get get a vaccine going for it. Fauci, no vaccine for HPV. HIV, I'm going to talk more about it later. It's going to blow your mind when I'm going to tell you what's going on in San Francisco. Right in the middle of making you run around with a mask and social distance, and they're setting up the uh, the the sexual bathhouses where homosexuals can go bang each other at noon, take a break from the working on the computers and go over there and bang each other. And... Um, and and do it all legal and everything and go in and just pay for it, right? It's going to help the economy in San Francisco, they said. So we got HIV, human immunodeficiency virus. That's a virus. They do not have a cure for it. They have medicine now that can keep people alive, but they still have it. You got it? Once people have HIV, they have it for life unless God touches them and there's a miracle happen. Got it? Human papilloma virus, HPV, you have it for life. Herpes, HSV1, that's herpes 1, which is uh, oral herpes. Got a little cold sore on your lip lately? That's oral herpes. Or genital herpes, you got it somewhere else down below? That's not, there's no cure for that. Now, these boys all, we're going to all stay locked down. We're not going to go to school. We're, we're not going to be able to go to our favorite little store or salon, but all the big box stores, they're exempt from, from COVID. They're exempt from viruses. Walmart, you can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it at Home Depot. You can't get it out the casino at the Hard Rock. You, the virus, it stops right at the parking lot. When you pull in, they, they, there's no entry for virus, says right there on the sign. COVID, not welcome. It's just like some Christians think demons are only in Africa and India, and demons cannot cross salt water. They can't get over into America. It's just simply a misunderstanding. So I want. So there are these viruses. We've been living. We got lots of viruses now. When this coronavirus started, we were teaching classes in the uh, Yuba County Jail, and uh, one of my friends who teaches a class on parenting for me is a lady named Hope Spencer, and Hope is a medical person. She worked as a nurse. She did a lot of things. She taught in college. She's sharp. She's bright. She's brighter than me. She teaches a lot on the brain went to the inmates. Um, and so one day she said, Lou, the coronavirus, the whole, there's a whole, uh, family of coronaviruses. And that's what we call the common cold. You, you get, you get the sniffles, you get a little sore throat and you sneeze, 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 feel really funky, stuffed up, headaches, start coughing, dry cough. We call, what'd you get? What what do you got? You're not coming to work tomorrow? Oh, I got a bad cold. I got a really bad cold. I got a bad cold. It's like, that's a corona strain. And it they the doctors, the medical people say, you think, oh, can't they just give me something for it? They said, no, there's nothing. You can just rest and take liquid. Rest, take liquid. Rest, take liquid. Right? There's no, like, silver bullet. Take a lot of vitamin C. Well, if you'd have been taking a lot of vitamin C before, you may not got it if your immune system was up, right? But those are all coronaviruses, and there are no vaccines for those because they're constantly mutating. So anyway, I want to talk to you about the hypocrisy of what's going on. It's just constant hypocrisy everywhere you look on this coronavirus thing. And it's just BS. It's like this thing. If we just mask every person over two years old, 
We're going to save the world, and we're going to stop. What 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 Fauci and Burks have done is they've they've burst out of the lab, and they've actually created an international lab experiment. Now, different countries like Sweden never did shut their schools down. Do you know that? They said it doesn't affect kids like that. But, you know, the problem we have is that our public schools have nothing to do with children. They're just the fodder to get uh, for a, a welfare case for teachers to get those pensions, to get a great job. Go to school, you teach for nine nine months, get paid for 12, and then they once you get tired of teaching, they pay you for the rest of your life, and you don't do anything. Now, the schools are, when you, when you, if you've ever watched a, uh, a union, uh, you know, when the teachers all get to big conferences, they have these big union conferences, you will never see them talk about what's best practices for kids. They just talk about their benefits and their rights and what their platform is going to be with the Democrat convention. That's all they talk about. They because ne- it isn't about kids. It's not about kids. Now, I'm trying to find this uh, uh, trying to find this article about San Francisco. And I came across, across it the other day, and I thought, uh-oh, this is amazing right here. And so let me see if I can get down here. And uh, okay, I'm close. San Francisco encourages the return of gay sex clubs to help the economy. I want you to think about that for a minute. Return of gay sex clubs to help the economy. Now, one thing, you've got to have one big bunch of gay people to crank up the economy. And San Francisco's got them if anybody does. So uh, maybe San Francisco economy is struggling. Now, I know a lot of conferences, they said, we're not coming to San Francisco anymore because there's too many piles of crap on the street and there's needles everywhere. And we can go to Las Vegas and get rooms for half the price, and it's tidy there. And there's a lot of fun things to do there besides being in funky San Francisco and getting hit up by mentally ill drug addicts. So this says on July 21, uh, just a, a, a week ago, by unanimous vote, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance to amend the city's existing health code to do away with two rules for sex clubs. Now, back in the day, back before the 1980s, before 1984, sex clubs were hot. And they were all hot and bothered down there. And you could go down there, and uh, depending on how, how fast you can get it back up, uh, you could have sex with four or five guys and, and want to get around. Now, I know you thought it was a monogamous gig, but that's not what the homosexual dudes tell me. So you could go down there and bang four or five guys, have some drinks, and have a good fun. And it was an incredible experience. Pay some money to get into all this stuff. But the problem was that guys started showing up at the hospital and and were really sick, really sick. And they didn't know what they had. So let me go ahead and read this. And says, these rules, there were these rules. And these rules were put into place in 1984 at the height of the AIDS crisis. You remember back then, if you were uh, conscious back then, uh, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know what HIV was. And so they just knew people were bad, sick, and died fast once they had full-blown AIDS, once it went from HIV to AIDS. 
So one of these rules was a requirement that the clubs could no longer have private rooms or locked doors in reserved areas for sex. Locked doors. Which means you don't want any people bopping in on you, right? So that's one rule that they put in place in 1984, and now they threw it out just the other day. The other rule was that the management had to monitor sexual activity. In other words, they had to watch. Like, hey, 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 you're not having sex, are you? Heck no, we don't even believe in it. And you hear all this banging behind the door, bap, 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 right? And so they had to monitor the sexual activity and they couldn't have locked doors. Now they they overthrew both those agreements. Uh, and the reason they gave in the Board of Supervisors meeting, this is just unbelievable. What's being said for the reasons we do things, like like uh, Dr. Lou, it's, it's, you're not compassionate if you don't wear a, a, a rug across your face. And now they're just saying, wear something, anything will do. Forget, it could be a mask. It could be a bandana. It could be a Kotex. It could be anything. Just cover your nose and mouth and shut your mouth. I mean, I saw such weird stuff in the airport the other day. It was like, I said, come on, people. This is just totally ridiculous. This, it, it just makes everybody look like a bunch of idiots, and supposedly it's going to save your life. Okay, we're going to be right back and do our third segment. We're going to talk about these sex clubs in San Francisco in case you're interested. Fox News exclusive. New questions about how the Obama administration handled information about the killing of bin Laden. Petty Officer Aaron Vaughn was a member of SEAL Team 6, the unit behind the bin Laden raid. He was later killed, along with 16 other SEALs, when their helicopter was shot down last year. Now his parents are speaking out, saying the administration put a target on their son's back when it publicly identified his... Our chief intelligence correspondent, Catherine Herridge, is live in Washington with more. Catherine... Well, thank you, Megan. Billy and Karen Vaughn say their son's voice was filled with anger and uncharacteristic fear after Vice President Joe Biden revealed just two days after the bin Laden raid that the Navy SEALs were behind it. Aaron called me and said, Mom, you need to wipe your social media clean of any reference to me or any of my buddies. And he actually said to me, Mom, there's chatter and all of our lives could be in danger, including yours. So how do you feel as a father? to have your son identified. We expect better out, out of the, the high ups in our government. And I believe what the administration did uh, then, uh, I believe it was criminal. The Vaughns are now speaking publicly about their son, what it meant to lose him in Afghanistan, and they're sharing that experience with other military families. Fox asked the Vaughns whether it was possible that the vice president identified the SEALs because the administration and the entire country were so grateful. I can tell you one thing, SEAL Team 6 did not want to be identified. It, so it wasn't that they were trying to be proud of them because those men do not need a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. They don't work for that. Did Aaron tell you that Team 6 was angry? Uh, yes, everybody that he talked to, yes, absolutely. They were very angry. So it was like the rug got pulled out from under them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, the administration could have said special operators. It, isn't it kind of fun as American citizens to go back and forth? Well, was it the SEALs or was it this? You know, it was our special operators. 
The Vons have made the decision to speak publicly, but they told us they felt that the entire SEAL community should be respected and given their privacy if that's what they wish, Megan. A black man has been arrested and may be charged with a felony after a photo circulated on social media showing him kneeling on a white toddler's neck while another black person holds the baby's arms behind his back, complete with a caption supporting Black Lives Matter. But wait, you might say, I thought only white Trump voters could be racist pieces of garbage. Well, that might be what the media want you to think because, you know, they're in the business of peddling the left's fake narrative of oppression. Too bad it's not true. So to that end, meet Isaiah Jackson. He's black. He supports Black Lives Matter. And he is a racist piece of garbage. Fair warning now, this gets a bit disturbing. Ready? Here we go. The Clark County Prosecutor's Office in Ohio says felony charges are pending against the man in this photo, identified as 20-year-old Isaiah Jackson. Now, if you're thinking, oh, Lord, what fresh hell is this? Let me explain. The photo shows Jackson pinning his girlfriend's crying baby to the ground with his knee in the back of the child's neck, while another black person holds the child's arms behind their back, along with the caption BLM Now MF, or translation from Internet speak, Black Lives Matter Now, Mother Effer. Police say the child was later taken to the hospital to be evaluated. Thankfully, he wasn't injured in the incident, at least not physically. Jackson, on the other hand, has been booked in the local jail and is likely to get slapped with felony charges. Now, why am I highlighting this story? It is a terrible story. Doesn't make any of our days any better for hearing it. It is awful. But try Googling it. The only outlets that have covered this story, other than a few conservative sites, are local channels. A black man pinned a white baby to the ground on purpose in open support of a national race-based movement that's been praised by everyone from pundits and congressmen to a presidential candidate, and it doesn't even warrant a mention? I'm telling you this story because you would already know it, and probably in a lot more detail, if this had been a white man kneeling on a black baby's neck. Can you imagine We'd already know this guy's whole criminal history, what classes he took in middle school, and where his mama lives. This would be all over the national news for days. How do I know that? Well, because a white kid smiled at a Native American guy last year, and we heard about it for a week. But this story right here, it doesn't fuel the anti-white, anti-conservative, anti-Trump narrative that the media so desperately needs to prop up. Because here's the truth of it. This horrible picture, this violent, bigoted, hateful waste of oxygen is not indicative of all black people. He doesn't describe all men, all 20-year-olds, all boyfriends, all insert demographic here. This photo is not reflective of this guy's race, sex, marital status, religion, living environment, income level, political party, or occupation. All it reveals is the evil that is in this man's heart. Isaiah Jackson doesn't describe all 20-year-old black men any more than Derek Chauvin reflects all white cops, and that is exactly why the media won't report on it. Why they won't talk about the black-on-black -black crime in Chicago that saw 88 people shot and 16 dead between last Friday and Monday alone. Because stories like this prove that evil comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Black men have hurt white children. White cops have killed unarmed black men. White people have killed white people. Blacks have killed blacks. Europeans slaughtered Native Americans who were already slaughtering each other. Guess what the British, Chinese, Mayans, Cherokees, ancient Romans, and just about every single African tribe all had in common? Slavery. Welcome to human history. Pull up a chair, it ain't all pretty. But see, the left desperately needs to fuel the myth that racism and bigotry and evil only exist in the hearts of one faction of society because that stirs up anger and fear and national drama. 
that sells newspaper subscriptions and gets clicks on websites, and it fuels a political agenda whose very existence depends on minorities feeling oppressed by white people, particularly conservative ones. That's how the left controls minority communities, through victimization and fear. They need you to believe that only a white man could be horrible enough to plant their knee into someone's neck, and that the only reason he'd do it is because he's a vile racist. That only Americans of color are the targets of racial violence and that racism is a white man's game. They need you to know Derek Chauvin's name and not Isaiah Jackson's. But now you do. So if you still buy the left's narrative that evil and racism exist solely in the heart of someone who'd vote for a president you don't like, then you are willfully seeing what you want to see. And you are intentionally ignoring the truth. You can't stop us on the road to You can't keep us, cause our eyes can see Men with insight men in Okay, so you heard the two rules that they now have thrown out And the, the reason they changed this, it wasn't for the homosexuals' pleasure It was for the benefit of the San Francisco's economy Just incredible, it's just, you can actually search around and look for this this was a unanimous vote of the supervisors so a little history 1980 the 1984 limitations on bathhouse conduct i.e no locked doors supervised sex you know what you got you got to have it supervised dude put on a condom uh it was meant for for they wanted to close the bathhouses they wanted to make you know what government does it instead of just saying you can't do that they just make it so difficult to do like they won't say no more smoking cigarettes so instead they put cigarettes are 150 dollars a pack now right that's what they do right so that's what they did here they put rules on they said guys are saying i'm not gonna bang that guy unless we can lock the door right or they say hey 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 i don't want you watching Right. What do you think? I am a freak or something. So it says. uh, So the new bathhouse rules, new public health rules in 1997 put similar restrictions on all commercial sex clubs and sex parties. Did you know you could just throw a big old sex party? I just missed all this stuff. Sex clubs and sex parties. Now, I know that there's a bunch of people, particularly in Sutter County, that used to swing. Like people, they weren't happy with just one partner. They wanted to have multiple partners. So some guys would say to their wife, hey, I want to have sex with that guy. I want that guy to have sex with you and then me with him. I, you know what I mean? Or I want her to have sex with – she wants to have sex with me, and will you? We'll, we do this all together, right? So that, they, they call that swinging. And sometimes there's even more people involved. And so um, so the new public health rules in 1997 put similar restrictions on all commercial sex clubs and sex parties. Why? Because they wanted to stop the spread of AIDS because lots of people were dying, right? And they didn't have a cure for it. They didn't have any good medicine for it. So thanks to modern medicine, isn't this interesting? Modern medicine is making it easier, easy for us to be, be totally weird, perverted, right? HIV today is less transmittable and more treatable than it ever has been. However, it is still transmittable and incurable. That's what this article says. 
The ordinance, now I, I read here a few weeks ago that there were 50, and 50 or 70 in each county, about 70-some cases in each county, an average over the last few years. Coming, people coming and going. They keep track of them. Not to expose them, but just keep track of them because they, they have special needs, medical needs. So they're run, they keep track of these things on the growth of HIV positive, right? Now, you'd think something that's incurable or can kill you would be more of a concern than the coronavirus, but it isn't. So uh, so we're not we can't even help these people uh, get the condoms on straight. They say if you wear a condom, you can maybe not get HIV from your partner. So the ordinance also says researchers think monitoring patrons does little to change their behavior. In other words, watching them is not going to say, oh. I don't think I better have sex with a guy. I think I ought to go have sex with a girl. That's what my mom taught me. This makes sense. People who go to bathhouses for sex must have exhibitionist tendencies. Having someone watch, it's kind of like a bonus, not a problem. This is amazing. This is an amazing article. Uh, so Raphael Mendelman who sits on the board of supervisors had the best interests of the city in mind when he proposed a new ordinance said during the seventies and eighties, bathhouses were a focal point of the gay social life in San Francisco and were important community meeting places. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. We were sorting out all kinds of stuff like, Oh, do you want to join my poetry club? (laughs) Community meeting places for friends to gather, to share stories and dance to the latest disco beat and watch a live show. That would have been interesting. A live show doing what? Magic tricks? Mandelman's age isn't listed in Wikipedia, so it's not immediately obvious. But I'd say he's no older than his late 30s, maybe his late 40s. In other words, he's too young to have had any personal experience with those bathhouses. That might explain his sweet, nostalgic view of the places. We're going to go over there and share. You know, Obama, they used to say Obama in Chicago used to hit the bathhouses there and, like, share stories with guys like Rahm Emanuel. Like, Rahm, can we go and, like, share a story? <laughs> you up for one today? Smoke a little bud and share a story? Let me hasten to add that the author says, let me hasten to add that I don't have personal experience either. However, I happen to know a lot about them because I work for some virologists. Uh Oh, this guy's a doctor. I worked for some virologists in the late eighties when AIDS was first making itself known. The researchers hadn't yet isolated HIV. So the disease was still quite mysterious. Now, if you want to read about, Tony, the lab mouse Fauci's corrupt nature, uh, Judy Mikovits, who studied HIV and came up with some breakthroughs on HIV, uh, wrote a book that just came out called The Corruption Plague or The Plague of Corruption. I may have that backwards. Just came out a month ago. And she hoses down old Tony because Tony had, they had the, uh, some really great medicine for HIV, and they held it off the market for one year, let people suffer so they can make a little bit more money. (sighs) Not Judy, but the other guys. The researchers hadn't yet isolated HIV, so the disease disease was still quite mysterious. The people that uh, I had to talk to somebody that, that worked in San Francisco at that time for the health department, and they said that people were triple 
Triple gowning, gloving, and masking. Triple. Come on, baby. Now, that's what we call contagious, not coronavirus, where you can wear a Kotex around your face and stop it. They did know one thing, though. This mysterious gay disease was running like wildfire through the gay community, especially in those bathhouses. Now, it's interesting that they could pin those. Now Now what they're saying is that coronavirus is running. It's the, the coronavirus is a Christian disease, and it's running like wildfire through those churches that are meeting. These people are so perverted running this county. It's the government. These people are nuts. They're going to end up getting shot is what's going to happen before the end of it. So they, they did one thing. Uh, so they knew was happening in the in the, the bathhouses. So it was while working for the virologists, this authors are saying while working for the virologists that I learned what was going on in those bathhouses. These weren't little coffee clatches of dancing and storytelling and like poetry reading. They were and and watching live shows, whatever those are, magic shows. Or maybe they were reciting poems. Instead, men use poppers. Now, I've never heard of a popper. I, I, I'm just showing my age here. I'm just missing it here. Poppers. This is isoamyl nitrite. Now, I'm going to try to find some of that and try it. I'm interested in it. Isoamyl, I-S-O-A-M-Y-L. Maybe I'm not saying it right. Isoamyl nitrite. Instead, men, men would down this, they would take these, so they could have some form of sexual contact with, remember, I, you, you thought I was exaggerating, didn't you, when I said a little bit ago they were, they were going in there and banging four or five guys? So they could have some form of sexual contact with dozens of other men per night. Now, this, this is way before Viagra, folks. <laughs> and I don't think you could pull it off with Viagra, man. I don't know what this product is, but this is a radical product. This is the first I've ever heard of it. I just don't get around much anymore. The men weren't just trading HIV. They were trading every existing sexually transmitted disease. Moreover, the live shows weren't theatrical spectacles, he said. They were orgies in which participants rested up while in other words just like wwf wrestling tag team you know when you have two people on a team and two guys go at it and then they get so beat up that one guy raises his hand and the other guy jumps in and jumps on the other guys down on the mat right they switch off so you you know you're banging somebody and you just get flat wore out and you said the guy's ready for more i i can't do it anymore like i gotta i gotta do one of those poppers now, this is what the live show is. Now, there's all these massage parlors around Yuba Sutter area, Asian massage parlors. And there's some talk about extra favors that are being offered at those places. But it's a long way, baby, from what we're talking about at the bathhouses that the Board of Supervisors just eight or nine days ago unanimously blessed with, like, you can have the locked doors and you don't need to be observed anymore. Just bang to your heart's desire. Because now we have medicine that can get this HIV under control. We can't fix it, but we can get it under control. Now, this is the, these are the same medical people 
that are telling you and me that we cannot go into our favorite coffee shop or restaurant and have lunch and sit sit six or seven feet apart from the next table. It's too dangerous. Does that, are you are you having a hard time with this? I, I am really having a hard time with a lot of these people, whether they're county people, city people, because either they are so whether they are just like little pussy prostitutes for Gavin Newsom, little hookers that are getting paid to do whatever he says, or they just aren't very smart people. I thought that some of these people running this county and city were probably fairly smart. But I I got to wonder. Think about this, he says. The city of San Francisco has been subjecting everyone to the most stringent shutdown requirements for months, destroying the entire city's economy and ruining people's livelihood. Meanwhile, it's already getting its ducks in a row to enable gay men to engage in the type of behavior that spread a disease that has killed 692,790 Americans, almost all from the narrow demographic of gay people, gay men. AIDS has killed around 32 million people worldwide since the 80s. Now, don't you think we should just get totally pissed off at that? Totally freaked out. Does that like keep you awake at night? Or are you staying awake? Oh my God, I can't take it anymore. I I just, you know, these people, he won't wear a mask. My next door neighbor will not wear a mask. Listen, don't worry about that. Make sure he puts on a condom if you go have sex with him. That's what you need to be sure of. Forget the mask. Forget the smoking. Get the condom on the right way. 32 million people, you'd think, oh, do you ever hear much about AIDS? You don't. They're going to, like, authorize it now. 692,790 Americans. Do you hear Dr. Lou talk about it? Recently, we had a big old discussion of syringes, going to hand out free syringes. She was all for it. What did they call it? Harm reduction. You know something? We're going on about one suicide a week since this... uh and suicides and overdoses on this trauma intervention I'm running since we started this lockdown. How about harm reduction over there, Mrs. Lou? Dr. Lou? How about harm reduction over there? What harm reduction are you concerned about? We only got 10 people dead. And it's been since, what, the first of the year? We got that many dead from overdoses and, and uh, suicides. What's worse? Currently, about 1.1 million people in America are HIV positive. Now, that doesn't mean you have it in your system, but you can't give it somebody else. That means you got it in your system. And if you have sex with somebody else, you can give it away. That's called HIV positive. 1.1 million. So I used to tell people in the jail. I said, dude, you may be having sex. It may be the best time of your life, but that may be the last time you have it without having HIV. 1.1 million people in America are HIV positive with 6,000 AIDS-related deaths in 2018 alone. 
You'd think we'd be concerned about that. How about those condoms? Reopening the bathhouses will also see other sexually transmitted diseases ramping up. Chlamydia can lead to sterility for both men and women. Did you know that? When we tell this to the men and women in the Yuba County Jail, it, they darn near their their jaws. I have to like go over and prop them up. They they just shocked to the drawers. HPV causes cancer. I already told you that. The medical world anticipates that gonorrhea is on the verge of becoming an antibiotic resistant virus. Even more scary, it says syphilis is headed that way too. Gonorrhea is seriously unpleasant. Syphilis is deadly. I keep thinking a lot of these politicians have syphilis because I know they're perverts and and syphilis affects your mind. You remember, you know, back in the day, they'd put people with syphilis in mental institutions because their mind, they, they just would, they weren't processing. Their processor was screwy. The final line in this article says this, and I'll just say it to all you politicians around here that are trying to put a mask on everybody or tell people, oh, you aren't, you got to stay six feet from, oh, we can't have school. Oh, we can't do this. Totally ignoring what Sweden and others found out that kids are resilient from this, just like they're resilient from most other stuff. This guy says it's not just diseases that kill. Political correctness and leftist panic kills, too. We have people dying in Yuba Sutter area left and right. They're scared to death. They're scared to death and they're shooting themselves. I could rattle them off to you, but I'm not going to give people's names because I don't think it's proper to do that. People are shooting themselves, strangling themselves, hanging themselves, cutting themselves, overdosing, heroin, opiates, all kinds of stuff. That's the fallout from Dr. Luz and Dr. or uh, Governor Newsom's uh, prescription on how to straighten out California from the common cold. This is a common cold, people. You're like, oh, my God, people are dying. You know something that's interesting to me? People talk like people are dying, like that's the first time they've ever noticed anybody dying. I guess, you know, I've run this trauma intervention program for many years, but we're we're out like 35 to 40 times a month, and 65% of those times, people dying. In fact, there's not a day goes by in the Yuba Center area that somebody doesn't die. Have you ever lost any sleep over that out there? No. How about whatever community you live in, whether it's Missouri, Washington, Austin, Texas, any city that you're listening from, Florida, Pensacola, or Tampa, you're listening. Any, is there anybody, you have a day go by where you celebrate because no one died in the community? No, when somebody's dying everywhere, they're dying all the time everywhere from all kinds of stuff, and we never shut down the world because of it. We never shut down the world. The health nurse from Yuba County would come in and she'll say, we got a big epidemic is syphilis. It's out of control. In fact, I just, I think it was two weeks ago. I read all these statistics. I looked them up on, you can look them up yourself. I am not that smart. I just looked them up and I'm telling you what, uh, there's things that killing people. Oh yeah. We got in Yuba Sutter. We had 19 suicides, 22 32 
suicides. Uh, I think it was 2018. But, oh, yes, yeah, some of these, oh, HIV, uh, 13 years and up, 2013 to 15, there was an average of 77.7 HIV-positive folks or AIDS-positive in Sutter County, 50 in Yuba County. This will get your attention, folks. Now, I just read you about chlamydia. Chlamydia can lead to sterility in both men and women. Now, if you think about wanting to have a kid, if you don't want to have a kid, and you just think, eh, sterile, whatever, get tubes tied, whatever. Uh, anyway, in California, average per year, 2014, 15, 16, 187, almost 188,000 people got chlamydia, man. Those are the ones that went in and got checked and said something weird's happening down there. And they they threw a test on them and came up and said, yeah, dude, you got chlamydia. We need to treat that. In Sutter County, do, do you ever hear any – we never post these statistics, right? Hey, 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 wear a condom. Go if, if you're switching up partners, go get checked and then, like, stick with the same one for a while, right, called monogamy. In Sutter County, 327 people had chlamydia average 2014, 15, 16, new cases, new cases, right? 257 in Yuba. I don't know why Yuba, Yuba doesn't seem to be as sick as Sutter County. I don't know what it is. You know, everybody always says, oh, Sutter County is so much nicer over there, better. They seem to be sick. A lot of perverts or something over there. All right, we're, we'll be right back. We've got a half show yet to do. I grew up thinking I had it made. make it on my own. Life can take the strongest man. Make him feel so alone. Now sometimes I feel a cold wind blowing through my aching bones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I intend to support Senator Lee and Senator Durbin's bill. I think it is a good bill. I'm a co-sponsor of the bill. Uh, a number of our Democratic colleagues in this hearing and in previous hearings have gone on in considerable length uh, casting aspersions at Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, I want to express from my opinion, I think that those accusations are entirely uh, ill-founded. Uh, in my judgment, Attorney General Barr has done an extraordinary job as Attorney General. I'm glad he's going to be testifying next month. I look forward to that testimony. I'm sure we'll see lots of fireworks and lots of presidential politics playing out at that hearing. But I think Bill Barr answered the call to serve as Attorney General when he didn't need to. He'd already served as Attorney General. He'd already made a whole bunch of money in the private sector. He had a very happy life. And he got a call he didn't want to return to the job that he did 30 years ago at a time when the Department of Justice was in crisis. And the job he has done is restoring accountability to the Department of Justice. And he did so knowing he would be demonized, knowing he would be pilloried by politicians, by the press, and he, he stood up for the rule of law regardless. And, and I would point out, just yesterday, the Department of Justice released handwritten notes from Peter Strzok. Those notes describe a January 2017 meeting with President Obama and Vice President Biden discussing targeting General Flynn. At that meeting, then FBI Director James Comey referred 
to the intercepted phone conversation between General Flynn and Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Here's what James Comey said in January 2017. The conversations, quote, appear legit. That's Comey's words, as written down by Peter Strzok, both of whom despise Donald Trump and have made no secret of that. Mind you, within days, the conversations that appear legit would become the basis for a political persecution and targeting. And by the way, in those same Peter Strzok notes, they reflect that Joe Biden suggested, hey, why don't we use the Logan Act to go after him? The same Joe Biden who said publicly he didn't know anything about targeting General Flynn. Well, according to Peter Strzok's handwritten notes, it was Joe Biden, two months after the presidential election where Donald Trump had been elected, it was Joe Biden who said, let's use the Logan Act, an unconstitutional 200-year-old law that the Department of Justice has never once prosecuted and convicted any human being on earth for. It was Joe Biden that said, let's use the Logan Act to go after him. And, it, and Obama echoed, yes, let's target him. And can we keep this from the incoming transition? Those notes are and should be a bombshell. Of course, the, the, the nightly news can't be bothered to cover them. That level of political corruption at the Department of Justice and the FBI is an absolute scandal. And the reason I think Bill Barr has done an extraordinary job as Attorney General is he has, has the fortitude to expose it. And the reason why the whole democratic world is really upset with him is how dare you expose the political corruption that undermined the Department of Justice. I don't think anyone in this committee is going to suggest Peter Strzok was some secret Republican operative. The guy despised Donald Trump, and his own notes say Joe Biden and Barack Obama personally directed the political persecution and targeting. Anyone who cares about the Department of Justice should be outraged. That's part of why I'm supporting Senator Lee and Senator Durbin's amendment here. Because we need accountability at the Department of Justice. And I very much respect the chairman, but I'm not going to be voting for the chairman's amendment because Bill Barr is not going to be the last attorney general we have in this country. There's going to be another attorney general. And there may be another attorney general like Eric Holder or Loretta Lynch that is willing to allow the Department of Justice to be politicized and turned into a weapon for partisan gain. And let me be clear, that would be wrong whether it was a Democratic president or Republican president. The Department of Justice and FBI are not tools in partisan warfare. They are meant to follow and apply the law. And that's why I'll be voting for this, this legislation. Uh, I don't know whether you saw on uh, social media, there was a bunch of uh, doctors. You know, there's doctors popping up all over the country saying there's something wrong going on here because uh, we're treating people where we are. In other words, COVID people, pe sick people are coming into our clinics 
and we're not running them off and afraid of them, be, and and then we're not quarantining our people. Like what's happening in Yuba Sutter County is something really strange happening here. The clinics where people come and they triage them outside and they test them, and if they have COVID on board, they won't. They don't let them come in the doctor's office because they say if you come in the doctor's office, then all the employees have to be quarantined. Now, I thought these people worked in the doctor's office around stuff all the time. But they're saying this is so ravaging. They, You know what? They don't even treat people. They just send them home to see what happens. And if they get really bad, this is the China method. If they get really bad, then they put them on a ventilator and they kill them over in China. And that's what they've been doing all over the United States, except in some areas where they actually treat people with a, a cocktail. A, a, you know, pharmaceutical cocktail, like some of them are using a nebulizer and giving people a steroid to uh, stop inflammation in the lungs. And they're knocking it out overnight and they use a, a, a zithromycin or something with it and lots of zinc. And they're knocking it out even in people, old people that are really sick. I felt bad because I just saw where Herman Cain died this week. Remember Herman Cain? He ran against uh, he he ran for the Republican nomination to run against Obama. Really nice guy, great guy, very smart man. In fact, there's a clip you'll hear a clip about Herman Cain here in honor of Herman. But he went to the hospital. I guess he was sick, and they said he had COVID. I don't even believe when they say people have COVID now. But they put him on oxygen. Now Judy Mikovits, who studied coronaviruses and HIV and stuff for years, said you don't put people on oxygen like that. So. You know, honestly, I'm not a doctor, but there is so this is the most screwed up. We're talking about one of the top medical countries in the world, and it's the most chaotic, messed up, screwed up bunch of people I've ever seen. And now we have doctors that are uh, no name practitioners from all over the country. They're coming out saying, I don't know what your problem is. I'm giving them this, this, and this, and I've got a 100% cure rate on this thing, and nobody's going to the hospital, and nobody's dying, and there are all kinds of ages with all kinds of maladies. So some of them use hydroxychloroquine and uh, zinc and azithromycin, Z-packs. And in Vietnam, I can get a Z-pack for $2. It's like this is not an expensive fix on these people, and I don't know why they're saying, oh, my God, somebody died. Yeah, you killed them, maybe. Maybe you killed them because you're not, you know, now the state of Ohio, this is unbelievable. The state of Ohio has forbid any medical doctor from using hydroxychloroquine. Does that seem odd to you? Because other doctors are saying this is a real winner. Now, at the start of the show, you heard this doctor, you can tell she's uh, from African. She's actually from Africa. She's not one of these wannabes that one claim they're from there, but <clears throat> they couldn't even find their way over there. They would need a tour guide to get back there. But this gal is actually from Nigeria or something. Some people think she flew in for the meeting and she's from Nigeria. No, she's Houston, Texas. She's a doctor in Houston, Texas. And she's the gal that went off on the start of the show today. Now, some people, you know, they, you know, they banned those people from Facebook, those doctors. They took them off the air. You talk about censorship, Google, Facebook, YouTube, all these people are like censoring all conservative and anything that's contrary to the deep state.
Now, I want to give you the the uh, credentials on some of the people you saw. If you saw them on uh, Facebook that were standing up there, these weren't just like actors with white coats on and stethoscopes. One was Simone Gold. Uh, she's a medical doctor, emergency med- medicine specialist in Los Angeles, California, over 31 years of experience in the medical field. She graduated from Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine, Science, the Chicago Medical School, Medical uh, uh, School in 1989. She's affiliated with Centinella Hospital Medical Center. The nut- and then Dr. Bob Hamilton, pediatrician from Santa Monica, uh, Medical School, UCLA, Geffen School of Medicine, Los Angeles, internship, UCLA, da-da-da-da, uh, you know, he's a California boy. Dr. Stella Emanuel, that's the gal who went off at the start of the show, primary care doctor, Houston, Texas, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, has practiced in Louisiana, now resides in Texas, where she has treated more than 350 COVID patients I don't know why we doesn't don't have Stella over here in Yuba Sutter County treating COVID patients because nobody's treating them. They're waiting until they get really funky, then they roll them over to Adventist Hospital. That's what they that's what they're telling me they're doing. I assumed everybody was treating everybody like these people from all over Texas. They're treating a lot of people in Texas that have COVID, and they they're they're good. They give them some. I had a next-door neighbor claim that he went down to the hospital, wasn't feeling so hot down here at Adventist. And they said, yeah, you got COVID. Go home and just stay in your room for a week. I said, they give you any medicine or any vitamins or anything? Nope, nothing. Another guy that was standing up there, Dr. Dan Erickson, emergency medicine specialist in Bakersfield, California. I think he also did his own video. He has over 16 years of experience in the medical field, graduated from Western University of Health Sciences, College of Osteopathic, da da da, da. Uh, While both degrees, so anyway, it talks about being a doctor, licensed physician. Uh, so that was Dan. He's down in uh, Bakersfield area. He, he had a big shout out. He, you know, he was talk, talking about all the COVID people they've been treating. Dr. James Todero, M.D., Ophthalmology specialist receiving medical degree from Columbia University, da-da-da. Uh, Dr. Joe Latipo, MD, PhD, physician in UCLA and clinical uh, researcher, internal medicine, American Board of Medicine. Uh, he, he served at Beth Israel Deaconess Med Center, Harvard Medical School, Harvard University Grad School of Arts. I don't know. Those are some of the people that were there that they they couldn't handle what they had to say because they went against Tony the Labmouse Fauci and Deborah Burks, whose daughter works for Bill Gates. Just a thought there. All right, I'm going to shift off that for a minute and uh, give you some crazy quotes uh, from this week that I thought were fascinating. And so right now you're seeing all the professional sports, people taking knees, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, it looks to me like professional sports is kind of might be over. The WNBA, the, the, the teams just walked off the court. And then, uh, uh, but the hockey teams, none of them would take a knee. But this one guy, I, Stefan Tuitt, he's P- Pittsburgh Steelers defensive end, Stefan. He says, I'm not kneeling. I'm going to say it just like he has it written. I'm not kneeling for the flag. 
and screw anybody who have a problem with that. In other words, she's not kneeling. <laughs> My grandmother was an immigrant from the Caribbean, and she worked her ass off to bring 20 people over here the right way. She had no money, educated herself to be a nurse. She living good now. So oh, I don't know whether any of them Steelers are taking a knee, but to it ain't. For the record, this Beckett Adams says, y'all so blessed. Janet Reno is no longer the captain. Now, remember Janet Reno under Clinton? She was the attorney general. They're all saying, oh, Barr, he's like creating all these problems. Do you remember Janet Reno when she came down on uh, Waco, Texas and burned up 80 people? Federal government went to Waco, Texas. You remember that? And people said, federal government can't do that. That was under Bill Clinton. They went down there and blew up that place, burned up kids, everybody, the pets, the parakeet, burned them all up. Beckett Adams said, y'all so blessed Janet Reno's no longer the captain. She would have firebombed Portland by now and salted the earth for good measure. Come on, baby. <laughs> these people, these double standards are unbelievable. Brenda Brandon Straka, founder of the walkaway movement, the walkaway movement of Democrats walking away from the party. He said the left has done to this country everything that they feared and dreaded Donald Trump would do if he was elected. Isn't that the truth? Stock market crash is going to crash. They darn near crashed it with this virus. Representative Congressman Dan Crenshaw, he's the guy, he's a congressman, he's got the patch over one eye, you know, he's in the war. My suggestion to the American people is start listening to the Democrats. They talk about defunding the police. They talk about making excuses for violent mobs. Let's tell, take them at their word. They want to destroy the things that bring us together, our common bonds, our founding, and the love of country. And last, George Floyd was murdered 63 days ago. Since then, 63,000 pre-born black babies have been murdered by Planned Parenthood and abortionists in America, and black lives haven't done a damn thing about it. Just goes to show, I get people, white, pudgy gals on TV, I can't believe black people matter. Matter to who? I don't know who they matter to. Maybe to her. Maybe she needs to adopt some. So here's the deal. Let the whole world know they're just trying to shut this thing down. A New York doctor shared with uh, this is Hannity on Hannity's show on Fox. His hydroxychloroquine azithromycin results. So he gave 200 milligrams two times daily of hydroxychloroquine, 500 milligrams one time daily azithromycin and 220 milligrams one time daily zinc sulfate. 350 patients, breathing restored in three to four hours. Poor Herman Cain. Shoot, man, if we'd have got him on one of them nebulizers. Ugh. 350 patients, zero deaths, zero hospitalizations, zero intubations. That's what uh, Judy Mikovits said, intubate people kills them when they got this uh, corona. 
Breathing restored three to four hours. That's exactly what uh, Dr. Richard Bartlett said in Texas. He's been using the nebulizer plus the azithromycin plus zinc, big zinc. I think it's fascinating, the natural things. They say that zinc, uh, since corona isn't a living organism, it's just a protein, that zinc messes with it. Zinc in your system, having plenty. Of, isn't, it, isn't it beautiful how God created us? And then zinc's in, in the foods we eat. And if, if we don't eat enough with, of stuff with zinc in it, you can take a supplement, right? But if you load up on zinc, it just like kicks the butt of the corona protein. It's a little protein is what it is. And and uh, you know, it's the interesting thing. Uh, I was listening to a doctor. Uh, I was reading the doctor the other day, a nurse. And uh, she said... She said that doggone protein. She said the same thing Fauci's now saying. Why cover your nose and mouth? It'll, get, it'll come in your eye. <laughs> Maybe because I wear glasses, I'm a little more protected, although it could come around the side. But it said, hey, you know, stuff gets in your eyes. That's why you shouldn't rub your eyes with your dirty fingers. Right? So now Fauci's saying, hey, we need to all wear goggles. I'm going to get me a real cool pair of goggles, start wearing them. With sun, you know, with uh, tinted lenses. Now, this is how hypo- hypocritical that the NFL is. I, I, uh, I, a guy said this the other day, and I thought, dude, you just described my whole mentality. He just said, I'm kind of done with sports. He just said, I, what I used to watch it for, it's all about political agendas and and uh, weird stuff, right? And I'm out, and I'm totally out. I just thought I have no interest anymore. I I was somewhere and they had uh, maybe I was watching on YouTube and they had showed uh, Max Stassi, one of the local guys here in our area. He's playing for the uh, Angels now, and he had a three-run homer in an empty stadium the other night. I thought that's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life, and I didn't even get excited for him. I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. So. Um, so now they say that they're going to have all these Black Lives Matter emblems uh, on the field, painted in the field, on the uniforms, kissing up to Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Now, I, I want to just give you a, a number of things, his, history of the NFL on the things that they rejected. Now, do you remember that this kind of the tipping point was when uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeled right, or knelt, I guess you'd say, on the sideline when they played the National Anthem. Remember that? And Trump got steamed, and different people got steamed, and people started complaining, and then people did it, people didn't do it, people stood up against them, some owners said you can't do it. Anyway, do you remember in 2012 when a guy named Tim Tebow, he knelt on the sideline before each game to pray? And and the country had a complete meltdown. And he wore John three sixteen right under his eye. He had an eye where they blocked the eye there, and he had a little decal John three sixteen. Um, and they made him take that John three sixteen off his face. And they had a problem with him kneeling. Right, but they can kneel to disrespect the United States of America and all the people that fought for it, including those now in law enforcement. But Tim Tebow could not kneel and just thank Jesus before the game. Isn't that interesting? 
In 2013, the NFL fined Brandon Marshall for wearing green cleats. Now, you can you see the cleats are removable on these bottom of these shoes, right? Because sometimes I'll wear shorter cleats, sometimes longer, depending on the turf. So he said he put on green cleats, and he was trying to attract attention to raise awareness for people that had mental health problems. That seems legit, right? What's it hurt? It, it didn't hurt me. I wouldn't like. It, I wasn't going to get upset if I was sitting at Chili's and having a little salad with chicken on it, and, and I saw a guy with green cleats run down. I wasn't like say, "Hey, I don't want to pay for this meal. I'm gonna go home." In 2004, so they made him take the cleats off. In 2014, Robert Griffin III, RG3, they used to call him, entered a post-game press conference that for Lyndon Oliver's, that's after the game, post. Uh, he was wearing a shirt that said, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no, no peace, K-N-O-W, peace. No Jesus, no peace. Or as they say somewhere else, Cano, Cano, Jesus, Cano, peace. But he was forced to turn it inside out by the NFL uniform inspector before speaking on the podium. 2015, D'Angelo Williams was fined for wearing Find the Cure Eye Black for breast cancer awareness. Can't have that. In 2015, William Gay was fined for wearing purple cleats to raise awareness for domestic violence. I don't think the NFL has any problem with domestic violence, do they? In 2016, the NFL prevented the Dallas Cowboys. This one, I remember this so clearly, and I was so steamed. Right before five Dallas police officers were murdered in in Dallas, uh, and so the Dallas Cowboys wanted to wear a decal on their helmet in honor of those, and they refused. The, the, the NFL refused to allow that decal to honor those fallen officers. I just thought, you know something, I will never, they will never get a minute of my time, a nickel of my money, the NFL. Also in 2016, the NFL threatened to find players who wanted to wear cleats to commemorate the 15th anniversary of 9-11 when we, when we were under attack from Al-Qaeda. Who are these people? I, I want you to think about it, people. Who are you? Who in the hell are you? Who are you? Does any do you stand up for anything? Everything okay? Good. Screwing a sheep okay with you? A anything you'll do? Molesting kids? Uh, nothing bug you? Uh, you know, people threatening to kill your neighbor is okay with you? You know, people threaten to kill the United States, nuclear bomb in the United States, fly airplanes in the United States. You don't. You're not going to protect the military. You're not going to support the military. You're not going to support the law enforcement. The NFL threatened to find players who wanted to wear cleats to commemorate the 15th anniversary of 9-11. You know how many people died in 9-11? All the firefighters, the cops, and individuals, children that, that were in daycares in those towers, moms and dads, grandmas. Unbelievable. Uh, the NFL is not patriot. They are not patriot. You know, I used to think that the NFL, you know, when you'd see the jets fly over the military jets and, and you'd see these military demonstrations and stuff that were powerful and patriotic. I used to always think those were just like, because the NFL was patriotic. You know, it's it, that's not true at all. I found out that the military actually pays the NFL. That's an advertisement for a recruiting tool to recruit young men and women into the military, which I think is fine, but I just totally misunderstood. I gave the NFL credit as being 
really patriotic and honoring law enforcement and 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 uh, military. And, and I thought they're not at all. They're socialists and they're millionaire and billionaire socialists. The owners are billionaires and they're hiring millionaires. I am done with them. It's so absurd. We'll be right back. We got two more sections. She had a dream. The boy was a good one. So she chased after her dream with much desire. But when she got too close to her expectation, I was wondering if you would... No, no, where's the price? Give me the price. Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, How can you ask a question when you don't know the price? <laughs> I'll look it up for okay, you. Okay, let me do somebody uh, else. Go ahead. This past weekend, TheBlaze.com reported a woman had gone viral after reportedly pepper spraying a couple having a picnic in a San Diego, California dog park, allegedly because they weren't wearing face masks while eating their lunch. The masked woman called the couple idiots, stuck up her middle finger at the two dining before deploying pepper spray at them and their food. She apparently felt force was necessary to keep others safe from the maskless couple. This begs the question, is there a connection between the woman at the dog park and the governor's behavior since March? One reason that we have legislature making laws because lawmaking needs to be a deliberative process. When law is dictated by one person, it is subject to capricious, emotional, and contradictory results. Therefore, if a governor in a state house takes it upon himself to tyrannize others, why shouldn't a woman in a dog park do the same thing? The elderly woman's emotional, over-the-top assault on the rights of others was modeled for her by the governor. Because lawlessness breeds lawlessness. We've given authority to a tiny minority of governors who are taking advantage of the good nature and self-sacrificing predisposition of the American people. These governors currently feel it is their duty, like the woman at the park, to bully citizens who are not wearing a mask. The tragedy of COVID-19 is that there is not even one law that has required this behavior. We've been defrauded into complying with mandates, not law. If there were any such face mask laws, it would be the result of a constitutional legislative process whereby both houses of the state legislatures voted on it favorably. If it then received the governor's signature, it would become law, provided it did not violate the United States Constitution, the state constitution, or the higher moral law. Many governors have issued executive orders regarding the wearing of face masks. They claim they have the authority to do so pursuant to some variation of emergency powers legislation passed by their state legislatures. These rogue governors further claim that his or her orders are a law or have the force of law. This is not accurate for at least three reasons. Firstly, neither the statute on which the governor relies nor any other statute which pretends to give him the authority to make law are valid. Lawmaking authority is vested in the legislative branch and cannot be delegated nor transferred in any way to the executive branch. Secondly, the legislature cannot, by means of pretended legislation, confer upon the governor pretended authority which supersedes the limits on his authority established under the state's constitution. Thirdly, executive orders which are otherwise valid apply only to those in the executive branch of government, not to the general public. For these reasons, there exists no law requiring the wearing of face masks. 
Statements made by government officials or media or businesses to the contrary are inaccurate and misleading. This is probably why Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Home Depot, Lowe's, and other nationwide retailers said they would serve customers even if they violate mask mandates. This is according to CNN. These wise corporations understand that defending a mandate that is not law is irresponsible and harmful to their companies. In conclusion, any business enforcing these mask requirements, claiming them to be law, is improperly restricting the freedoms of the citizens of their state with no lawful basis to do so. This is Jake McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you the American View. I had a college student ask me one time, how did you deal with color and race when you were climbing the corporate ladder? My answer, I didn't. Let them deal with it. I didn't focus on that. I didn't have time. I went to the president of the Pillsbury Company and said, I need to get involved in some other aspects of the corporation because I want to run one of the business units one day. So he said, we need a lot of leadership in Burger King. You have to go and spend two weeks at Whopper College. That really is a Whopper College in Miami. I graduated summa cum laude. (laughs) I was working for the Department of the Navy. The same day that I started, another white gentleman named Robert started working there also. We had very similar jobs. So the first 12 months, I got outstanding performance four quarters in a row. Second year, outstanding performance four quarters in a row. And Robert got outstanding performance. But Robert was getting his GS salary increase at least two months sooner than me. So I went to Wayne, my supervisor, and said, Robert and I are both doing a great job. He said, yeah. So why is he getting little increases quicker than me? He said, he has a master's degree. I said, oh, it's not because he's white? Nope. He has a master's degree. Do you know what I did? I didn't get mad. I went and got me a master's degree. <laughs> there are only four rooms to this ladder. Went back, sat down with Wayne. I said, well, I got a master's degree. I said, the next time you have opening for a promotion, I said, keep me in mind. See you around. And not long after that, they had a special project called a Rocket Assisted Projector. They had to have someone who was going to be the GS-13 supervisory mathematician to do the special ballistics on this Rocket Assisted Projector. I got the promotion. And I had eight white people working for me. It was all about performance, not the color of your skin. So since I now had that master's degree and I had proved myself, I got the job. When I decided to leave Dalvin, never forget the department head, and he called me in for an exit interview. And I never forget Russ, I think he's deceased now. He said, you know, you have taught me something. I said, what? He said, I had never worked with a black person before. You taught me don't judge somebody by the color of their skin.
Welcome back. I uh, usually do this at the front of the show, but I got sidetracked and got right into the meat of this thing. So I need to back up and uh, I want to push this Gavin Newsom uh, recall. And uh, I was talking to Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security today and, and said, Monty, bring me up to date on where things are. And he said, Lou, you just need to remind people how easy it is. And uh, if they're already registered to vote, it just takes literally a minute once they come to my address at 5548 Feather River Boulevard or any address at any county in the state of California, uh, you can you can literally sign the petition. You can sign the whole petition uh, and be, be out the door in one minute. Literally, it's that easy. You just have to be a registered voter. And he said, we will help you sign correctly where we are. So you can go to Elite Universal Security, 5548 Feather River Boulevard, or you can call them at 749-0280-530, 749-0280. So uh, <clears throat> listen, it, we need to do more than just sign. Now, some of you aren't even going to sign because you just think you're just going to – Oh man, I I uh, where did I do? Maybe I'll try to find this and and read it to you. It's a really a great poem this guy gave me. Some of you are are takers, so you just think you can take 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 take, and uh, things are going to always remain the same. But it uh, one person said it takes twenty people. In fact, and there's a lady that wrote a poem in the 1800s. She called instead of giving, I call them givers or takers. She calls them leaners or lifters. And she said it takes 20 lifters for every leaner. And what we need to recall Gavin Newsom is we need you to do more than just register to vote and to sign that petition to recall him. We need you to do that and then get a bunch of your friends 10 20 of your friends we need to see you can multiply sometimes people say well i it doesn't make any difference if i vote it 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 never makes a difference well what if you had 20 votes would it make a difference then if you could get 15 or 20 of your friends to sign that petition that multiplies your influence 20 times if you've got 100 people, that's 100 times. Like the, we've been signing them at Church of Glad Tidings. The other day we mailed, we've been mailing them in week after week after week, and we, we mailed in 40 more, 40 more signatures, right? Well, uh, so listen, we have till November 17th to get these signatures in. We need millions. This is no small deal. It's no big deal, but it's no small deal. We've got to work at it. You just can't drink. You can't think about something and get done. You've got to go do it. So there's places to sign in every county. If you go to the, I don't know what county you're in. I'm just speaking right now to Californians. But whatever county you're in, if you go to Recall Gavin, G-A-V-I-N, 2020, the, the number's 2020.com, you can look down there, scroll down, and you can find your county's uh, Recall Gavin Facebook site. You can go there, find out where to sign up. And you can go sign up at one of their booths or one of their little events they're having. Very simple. If you're in the Yuba Sutter area, 
you can go to the, you can go to Yuba or Sutter, uh, and you can see where there, there's a website, there's a Facebook site, and it tells what's going on every day and where you can sign up. Or you could, if you have a printer, you can down uh, you can download it and print it right off your your computer and your printer. You can print off a petition. One of them has five. The eight and a half by eleven petition has five on it, five spots. You could print off a number of those. Or if you want 10, you, you have to have a little different size paper. But the bottom line is you on each petition, you just have to have all the signatures be of the same county. So if you have five, you have a bunch of people over for dinner, six of them are from Yuba County and two from Sutter. You just have to have a separate petition for the two from Sutter. You got it? So you just sign those and then you sign the bottom and mail them. The address is right on the petition. It's very easy. And there's a lot to be PO'd about right now, and you should be able to get something done. If if you're in Yuba Sutter area and you don't want to do any of that, you just want to go sign, you can go by Monty Hecker's place at 5548 Featherbridge Boulevard, just south of Marysville, easy to go to. He's open every every day of the week, and you can go in there and sign. Now, if you need to register to vote, you can go to the DMV.gov. You can register there. You can go to the Secretary of State.gov, SOS.gov. You can do it online, or you could fill, fill out a piece of paper. And the way I did it, I'm not a big hardcore Republican. I'm more conservative than them. But I registered as Republican because I want to vote in the primary here. You can't vote for a conservative candidate if you're not a, if you're not a Republican. So if you sign up as a Democrat or an independent or green or something, something, or you don't want to state, then you don't get to vote in the primary for, for a conservative if you want to vote for a conservative. So uh, anyway, uh, if you need help with that, you can always call me, 530-713-1838. So I want to thank Monty and his wife for uh, supporting this podcast because it does cost some money. I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of payroll but it does cost money to get stuff done. And uh, so he's been helping me for a couple of years. And so I give him a shout out and thank him for that. And you could uh, these days with shortage of police and trouble with the police where where they're not doing what they are supposed to be doing because the politicians tell them to stand down on this homeless situation. So we got all these crazy people doing crazy stuff. You got to do your own security. In fact, I'm just I'm. I'm uh, getting some preparations done myself for myself right now. And uh, so it's a time where you got to prepare yourself. And if you need some help, like uh, you may need somebody to watch your house or to watch your business or to wash your farm. A lot of thefts at farm from stealing the copper off the pumps, stealing all kinds of, you know, equipment, just driving it off the property. Elite Universal Security can figure out a strategy to stop that stuff. And um, so you can give uh, Monty a call at 530-749-0280. He's looking for work, workers, too, good workers. And uh, they're working all the way up to Oregon border. There's a lot of work right now, all the way down below Sacramento, all the way up the valley. So give him a shout-out. He'll teach you how to do your job. You think, man, I don't know anything about that, but I'd, I'd like to check it out. They'll teach you. And also, if, you, if you're a type of person who want to obey the law, you want to get a gun and go get a gun permit, Monty will put you through the class out there at his place, 
take you to the range and get you certified so you can get a concealed weapon permit if you want to carry concealed. And uh, so they'll hook you up that way, too. So check it out. If you need security needs, they will help you. They will help you and and, uh, help you keep what's yours, yours. That's what I that's what I say. Uh, also, uh, I just saw Dave Greenitz. They, he showed he had a, another Dave Greenitz construction. He's been a friend of mine for almost a hundred years, and uh, they showed on Facebook. They said sometimes we don't remodel the whole kitchen. We just take the cabinets apart, leave them in there, and we just upgrade all the cabinets, redo all the tops, redo the floor, and put in new lights. And it saves a lot of money, and still it looks awesome. So they showed a before and after, and I thought, oh, baby, that was amazing what you just did there. So if you want to check out his work, if you're thinking about uh, overhauling the kitchen, maybe it's got that 1960s look or 70s or 80s, and like, oh, it's looking like funky and stuff like that, or the bathroom, and you just think we just want to, like, blow our minds, Dave will help you blow your mind. And uh, you can check him out at greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end, uh, construction.com. And you can check it out there. They have all kinds of photos before and after. They have floor plans and how they change things around to make it better. And Or you could go to his Facebook site at Dave Greenitz Construction. And uh, if you're a millennial and you haven't learned how to talk to people, you can just do it, text text him or email him, and if you want to warm up to him and then figure out how to talk, uh, you can do that. So, uh, Or you can, if you do old school and you want to ring him up, you can dial him at 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602. He said he's pretty busy. I talked to him the other night. He said he's pretty busy, but he's saying if you're willing to wait for me, I'll give you a date. And I'll I'll keep the date. So uh, if I were you, I would wait for him. I would not fuss around with any of these other people, take a risk. Oh, well, somebody's brother who just got out of prison, he's really good. And he just, you know, he really needs a job. And he'll work, you know, under the table. You can pay him cash. I wouldn't do it. I know all the subs that work for these guys. They're amazing. And so, and finally, the plumbing doctor. Uh, Ted Holmes with the Plumbing Doctor. You can reach them at 530-671-9111. You see their trucks around town, and uh, if you get a, you know, it when you, it's one thing if you say, well, should we remodel or should we not? We do not say that about plumbing. When the plumbing is running all over the floor, we don't say, well, should we fix that or should we just like live with it? It's <laughs> just like ah. Six seven one nine one 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 for the plumbing doctor, and that's another friend of mine, Ted Holmes. I want to talk for a few minutes about if I, I'm scrolling back down. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that happened fast. There's a article: Biden claims Trump is racist. Uh, so he says Biden declared that Trump is the first racist to be elected the president of the United States. And that only he, Biden, can correct the so-called systematic racist, systemic racism he claims is plaguing our nation. Does it ever surprise you that getting a black guy as president didn't help the race thing at all? In fact, made it worse. That's always kind of a fascinating deal. So 
this article says apparently this was not an issue during Biden's previous 45 years in public service, including eight years as Barack Obama's VP. Um, so that would be the same Obama who Biden described when they were competing for the 2007 presidential nomination as the first mainstream African-American who is articulate. Remember what he said that he I said, what up? what's up with the rest of the black people there? They can't talk. It's the first African-American who is mainstream and articulate and bright and clean and a nice guy. Do you remember when he said that a nice looking guy? He said he's clean. The guy took a bath the other day. I thought, talk about racism. Come on, man. That's that's a symbol. And hey, by the way, the lady that started talking at the beginning of the show from Nigeria, did you see what the the media commentators just took her to the mat t- talking about how stupid she is and the fact that she believed in demons and all kinds of stuff? Oh, baby, they they were like, I thought, people, you have no idea what you sound like. So um, according to Biden, the way Trump deals with people based on the skin, the color of their skin, their national origin, where they came from is absolutely sickening. No sitting president has ever done this. We've had racists and we've tried to and we've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. So anyway, let's do some fact checking on Mr. Biden. Fact check. Dividing people up on the color of their skin and their national origin is page one of the Democrat Party playbook. Democrats have had success pandering to black and Hispanic constituents, convincing them They will continue to be helpless victims of injustice if they don't keep voting Democrat. How's that worked out for you lately? They're Hispanics and black folks regarding Biden's big lie about Trump. Let's take a look at uh, presidential history in the 20th century. Two of the most notable racist Democrat presidents were Woodrow Wilson and Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson uh, followed up Kennedy. Remember when he was shot? Wilson argued segregation is not humiliating, but a benefit and ought to be so regarded. He even hosted a White House screening of the racist movie Birth of a Nation, portraying the KKK as the real heroes after the Civil War. This is your Democrat president. Johnson, who routinely used racial slurs against black people, is the architect of the so-called Great Society, which has spent over like $15 trillion on welfare and ruined the black family. He institutionalized black poverty, which is campaigned to save the black people, supposedly. Regarding the passage of Civil Rights Act of 1964, Johnson said, I'll have those niggers voting Democrat for the next 200 years. On Democrat strategy, LBJ said, if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on, and he'll empty his pockets for you. That's President of the United States talking right there from the Democrat persuasion there, folks. Uh Okay, how about this? In 2008, the Wall Street Journal published a remarkable assessment called The Democrats Missing History about how, just ahead of Obama's nomination, the Democrat National Committee, quote, whitewashed 
the party's horrific and lengthy record of racism. On the long list of omissions out there in Oliver's, that means they left it out, omissions. Jeffrey Lord notes, there is no mention that these programs, that's Wilson's New Freedom and FDR's New Deal, were created as a result of an agreement to ignore segregation and the lynching of blacks. Did you did you get this? He got they got people to vote for the new freedom plan and the new deal. As long as they would ignore the segregation and the lynching of blacks. Did you hear me? They were going to ignore the lynching of blacks. He adds, there is no reference that three-fourths of the opposition to the 1964 Civil Rights Bill in the U.S. House came from Democrats, or the 80% of the no votes in the Senate came from Democrats of the Civil Rights Bill. Certainly there is no reference to the fact that the opposition, including future Democrat Senate leader Robert Byrd of West Virginia, a former Klan leader and member. Now, Lyndon, ben, Lynn, Lyndon Johnson proudly noted, I have voted against the so-called anti-lynching bill. Do you understand what that is? Anti-lynching bill would say we're against lynching. Johnson voted against the anti-lynching bill and his insistence. These Negroes, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us since they've got something now they never had before the political pull to back up their uppityness. I didn't even know that was a word, uppityness. And he hit, he hit some who had presidential aspirations, like Robert Kennedy, who as Attorney General said, I did not lie awake at night worrying about the problems of Negroes. Now that's your liberals for you. Even Jimmy Carter said, I'm not going to use the federal government's authority deliberately to circumvent the natural inclination of people to live in ethnically homogeneous neighborhoods. In other words, that's forced integration. Remember when they bust people all over the place to force integrate them because white kids would somehow black kids would do better if they just mingled with white kids. They'd rub off on them. So Carter says, I am not going to, I'm not going to use my authority to break up. That sounds racist, doesn't it? But if people want to live in homogeneous, like if you go to Vietnam right now, there's areas that's the Chinese sector. In fact, if you go to uh, where the epicenter was or is of the Wuhan flu, COVID-19, the epicenter in Italy is in the state or province of Lombardy. It's heavily populated. Lombardy's heavily populated by thousands of Chinese who now own businesses in Italy. People like to live in homogeneous neighborhoods, right? It's like little Saigon in Long Beach, California. Nobody told them they had to live together. They just like to because then they can have their restaurants and their special foods and whatever else they want to do, hang out, right? So Carter says, I'm not going to bust up homogeneous neighborhoods who are trying to maintain the ethnic purity of their neighborhoods. Like, hey, if you, if you want to be, if you don't want to mix it up, don't mix it up. I know Carter and he was no racist, the guy says, but his politics certainly advanced racial division, the staple of the Democrat Party today. 
So coming full circle back to Biden, the guy says, his words have repeatedly betrayed his underlying racist views over his entire career. One more example. When discussing why Iowa students perform better than Washington, D.C. students, Biden said, there's less than 1% of the population of Iowa that is African-American. There's probably less than 4 or 5% that is minorities. What is it in Washington? So look, it goes back to what you start off with, what you're dealing with. As I noted in my column, the guy says, Democrats were, are, and will continue to be the party of black oppression. Arguably, the Democrat Party is now simultaneously the author and beneficiary of generations of their own institutional systemic racism. We'll be right back and we'll finish up our final uh, segment of August 1. And keep your hands to yourself. At 50, my body went through a big change, and not for the better. Severe erectile dysfunction shattered my confidence, set me into a depression, and almost ruined my marriage. And believe me, I tried everything. But then a friend told me about Zentrex, so I tried it, and it worked. Zentrex is the strongest male enhancement drug on the market. It increases blood flow, boosts testosterone, and ends erectile dysfunction instantly. So I asked my doctor about Zentrex. And he said, Zentrex? What the hell is Zentrex? And I said, Zentrex. It's the strongest male enhancement drug in the world. And it works. And he said he'd never heard of it. So I pulled up the Zentrex website and showed it to him. He started laughing. He said, are you insane, man? You can't put that junk in your body. It'll kill you. Your heart will stop. Rhino horn, ammonia hydroxide? That's what's in meth, right? Zentrex is made strong enough to work on the most extreme cases of erectile dysfunction. And fast. My doctor asked me, where'd you even hear about that And I told him, a friend. And he said, well, what's his name? And I said, well, I don't really know him, actually. And he says, but you just said he's your friend. So I told my doctor, look, let's just forget about him and just write me a script or Zentrex, and I'll be on my way. My doctor said, are you deaf, man? No. I could lose my license. You could die. I said, yeah, I think I still want it, though, so give it to me. Write the prescription. I wasn't leaving. So he says, I think that website just froze my computer. So I grabbed him a little. And he goes, you're hurting me, sir. <laughs> Zentrex works. Side effects for Zentrex include fits of rage, acne, bleeding, baldness, blindness, whooping cough, hallucinations, coma, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increase in semen, nasal sores, constipation, vomiting, night terrors, amnesia, and suicidal urges. And those are just the side effects they tell you about. I get the sweats, my bones are cold, my teeth are loose, my heart gets really, really hot. I could read minds. And sometimes I wake up driving a stolen car. But my erections are fantastic. When I wear gray sweatpants, people cross the street, which is fine. Zentrex gave me my life back. Any of this video, well known for backing reparations for slavery, Kamala Harris has yet to acknowledge her own slave-owning, human-trafficking ancestor, Hamilton Brown. 
Last week at the Democratic debate in Miami, presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris stirred up a smokescreen racial hornet's nest against former Vice President Joe Biden for his past pandering to segregationist senators decades ago. I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. Look. Everything I've done in my career, I ran because of civil rights. I continue to think we have to make fundamental changes in civil rights. And those civil rights, by the way, include not just only African-Americans, but the LGBT community. But they, Vice President Biden, do you agree today, do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America then? No, do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Well, I there did was not a oppose. failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the, the second class to integrate Berkeley, the, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that, there yeah. are moments in history where states fail. Harris' months in the making made-for-TV dog-and-pony show attack on Biden is largely seen as an attempt to lure black voters away from the Democratic frontrunner and to tarnish his already creepy and damaged image. But to date, no one has asked Harris about her own Jamaican family tree, which reportedly goes back to Jamaican plantation and slave owner Hamilton Brown. Earlier this year, Harris's father, Donald J. Harris, reportedly stated in the Jamaica Global, my roots go back within my lifetime to my paternal grandmother, Miss Chrissy, nay Christina Brown, descendant of Hamilton Brown, who is on record as plantation and slave owner and founder of Brownstown, and to my maternal grandmother, Miss Iris. The Harris name comes from my paternal grandfather, Joseph Alexander Harris, landowner and agricultural produce exporter, mostly pimento or allspice, who died in 1939, one year after I was born and is buried in the churchyard of the magnificent Anglican church, which Hamilton Brown built in Brownstown, and where I, as a child, learned the catechism, was baptized and confirmed, and served as an acolyte. If Kamala Harris' father account of their genealogy is to be believed, and there's no reason not to believe it, Harris' family tree indeed goes back to Hamilton Brown, who was one of the more well-known slave owners in Jamaica. Hamilton Brown, who was born in 1776 and died in 1843, was an Irish rags-to-riches immigrant to Jamaica who became a wealthy sugar plantation owner and founder of Brownstown on the British island colony. And right here, big league politics has somehow obtained the English registers of Brown slaves. At the end of this list, it says, I, Hamilton Brown, do swear that the above list and return 
consisting of two sheets is a true, perfect, and complete list and return. To the best of my knowledge and belief and every particular therein mentioned of all and every slaves possessed by me as owner, considered as most permanently settled, worked, and employed in the parish of St. Anne on the 28th day of June, 1817, without fraud, deceit, or evasion, so help me God sworn before me this 24th day of September, 1817. Here's the Google Maps location of Brownstown on the island of Jamaica. Although slavery was outlawed by Britain in 1833, as a wealthy plantation owner, Hamilton Brown needed laborers to continue working in his fields, which is interesting to me because today you always hear people say, without government, who will build the roads? Well, back then when the institution of slavery was being questioned, it was, Without slaves, who's going to pick the cotton? Who's going to work in the fields? Guys, times can only change when minds do. At that point, Brown turned to his native Ireland to recruit poor Irish slaves with some success. The first vessel known to have done so is the James Ray, a brig belonging to Mr. Hamilton Brown, an extensive property owner, planting attorney, and member of assembly for the parish of St. Anne. In December 1835, the brig left Belfast with 121 Irishmen and their families from Balamone County Atrium, and on arrival in Jamaica, they were located on estates and pens in Hamilton Brown's parish. Some of these immigrants certainly absconded from their locations and enlisted in the police, and on one estate, about 40 of them chased Hamilton Brown and narrowly missed giving him a sound beating. Undaunted, in late 1836, he dispatched his brig to Ireland once again, and it returned with at least 185 Irish for St. Anne. Due to public outcry in Ireland, the practice of recruiting Irish slaves ended a few years before Brown's death in 1843. This right here is Hamilton Brown's gravestone at St. Mark's Anglican Church, Brownstown, St. Anne Parish, Jamaica. That the Democratic primary candidate has injected racism as a weapon against her opponent is not at all surprising. But what is surprising is that while Kamala Harris is attempting to portray herself as a victim, she has yet to acknowledge her own slave-owning human trafficking ancestor. But then, come to think of it, uh, that's not surprising either. She's a politician. One thing's for sure, she definitely has not set an example by throwing some reparation money to the descendants of Irish slaves on her ancestors' plantation. So final segment here, uh, not only there's been a number of um, Christian or conservative influenced people that died in the past week or so. The other one is a guy that I've followed over the years named Mike Adams. You may, may or may not have uh, known of Mike Adams, but he had been involved in a real struggle as a university professor for many years. It's a uh, you're a rare breed if you're a conservative are a conservative and a Christian, and you're actually a professor on a university campus, there there are just not many of them left. And because they won't get hired or they won't get tenure 
or something happens and uh, they just get passed over. They get harassed. They get pushed out. So Mike Adams um, killed himself uh, a few days ago. And uh, I don't know all the details, but uh, I just wanted to say some things about him, that the fight is real and the pressure in this country to fold and to become communist is very powerful. And the the epicenter of the uh, the power or the epicenter of the storm uh, is on university campuses. And Mike Adams uh, was a professor of sociology and criminology at the University of Northern California at Wilmington. And um, teaching at UNCW and in public speaking, as well as in columns, he wrote many columns for like the Daily Wire, Town Hall. Adams was a stalwart defender of free speech, the Second Amendment, and the sanctity of human life. He stood bravely without wavering and a strong Christian and, uh, and stood up for conservative and Christian values. He was 55 years of age when he died. So let me tell you a little bit about him because we need more like him. What makes Adam's death all the more tragic, it says, and frankly outrageous is that he spent decades being bullied. Remember we have all these bullying classes at our local schools the big bullying is being done by the U.S. government and college campuses. What makes Adam's death all the more tragic and frankly outrageous is that he spent decades being bullied by hateful leftists at the university and elsewhere, only to be bullied even in death by celebrating leftists. <clears throat> Adams fought a seven-year legal battle against UNCW to achieve tenure. Tenure is... Um, an awarded status for professors and teachers that uh, they believe are excellent and they deserve to be put into a category where you can't easily terminate them for their views or their positions on things. So he, so he fought. They would not give him tenure at this school. Uh, he was denied. Uh, where it was granted to professors that who were far less in the way of accomplishment yet denied uh, yet Adams was denied because of his political beliefs. It was very clear. He was denied because of political beliefs and was passed over for people a lot less qualified. Uh, previously Adams had been an atheist and a liberal, but he converted to Christ and later to conservatism. His friend and attorney, David French, said prior to his religious and political conversion, his student and peer teaching evaluation were remarkably high. Teaching evaluations were important for retention and promotion. After his conversion, his student evaluations remained sky high, routinely among the best in his department, but his peer evaluations plunged when he got converted. Adams frequently used acerbic wit and provocative rhetoric, but neither Adams nor his conservatives in general are the aggressors in the culture war. The aggressors are the social justice warriors who want to fundamentally transform America. But like the bullies they are, all leftists can all the leftists can do is scream that people like Adams dare to fight back. 
Even after news broke that Adams had taken his life, the bullies at NBC headlined professor who announced retirement after racist and sexist tweets died by suicide. NBC's hack journalist, David Lee, L.I., Asian dude, offered no evidence for those charges other than linking UNCW's vacuous statement earlier in the summer. That statement likewise offered no evidence of the charges and administrators only grudgingly conceded that Adams was protected by free speech, even while they declaring they stand firmly against him. Uh, Let's see. Other leftist media stories included one in 2016 by the LGBT Axiom Division, NBC Out. They derided Adams for such things as calling transgenderism a mental illness rejecting same-sex marriage, and calling out a homosexual Muslim student for embracing a religion that demands his own execution. These, of course, are mainstream conservative opinions, not racist or sexist language. But if there's one thing you don't do in Marxist-dominated academia, it's challenge the rainbow mafia. The last straw was a racist one. Near the end of May... Adams took on North Carolina Governor Rory Cooper, and it was his pandemic shutdown with his typical edgy humor tweeting. He tweeted this evening. This is Adams tweeting said this evening. I ate pizza and drank beer with six guys at a six seat tabletop. And I almost felt like a free man who was not living in the slave state of North Carolina. Massa Cooper, let my people go. I could I could see myself saying something like that. So when people went ape because he was giving Massa Cooper a hard time, uh, he negotiated his exit from the college. The college went ape, and so he was scheduled to leave on August first. But instead of that, he took his life, which makes me sad. If you see a picture of him, he's a very uplifting, funny, smiling guy and has had gone through decades of people lying about him, uh, undermining. The, The one cool thing, if I was a professor, if I could walk away somehow with my students loving me and thinking I did them, did them right and did them a great teaching job, I wouldn't give a crap about my the faculty at the uh, at the university. I just wouldn't. And uh, so he walked away with a with a wonderful reputation of his students loved him. But it's really troubling to me that he took his life. But I don't know what he was dealing with. I don't know what he's dealing with. So. Um, I'm going to, we got about 11 or 12 minutes here. I've covered the Newsom deal. I covered the advertisements. Uh, Let's see, let me jump on down here. Let me just do this little article about fake news. Um, You remember Nick Sandman? Sand with M-A-N-N. Nick Sandman, he was a young teenager, Covington Catholic High School student, Nick Sandman. 
they were uh, they the a bunch of kids from the Catholic high school. They're boys. It's a boys' school. They had protested uh, abortion, and there were other protests going on in the general area. There was a variety of different types of op- opposing groups. The Catholic kids were getting ready to get on their bus. They were waiting for their bus to pick them up, but they were standing there, and uh, some of them had MAGA hats on, Trump hats. In fact, Nick had bought one there at the event. And uh, so while he was there, there was a uh, a guy, Nathan Phillips, who was a Omaha tribal elder. And if you'll notice, he's beating a, hand, a drum that you carry in your hand. And one hand you're holding the drum, and the other hand you have a little uh, thing that you hit it with. And instead of just playing it, he walks right up to Nathan, who is standing kind of stoically with kind of like a little grin, a little nervous for a teenager. And uh, he beats it right in his face, just keeps standing there, beating it, beating it, beating it, beating. And the media um, made it look like Nick uh, was mocking this Native American when uh there was nothing of the kind being done. He was just very, it was an awkward moment. You can, you're standing there. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not saying anything. And somebody comes up really close to your face and beating on this drum. And I don't know. I, and anyway, uh, this was in January, 2019. And so the media falsely portrayed Sandman as the aggressor. So Sandman sued him, sued CNN and sued uh, Jeff Bezos with the Washington Post, who owns the Washington Post, and they, because of defamation, right? The kid didn't do anything. He just was felt very uneasy and awkward, so he had kind of a smile on his face. Sandman's legal team settled a $250 million defamation lawsuit last week against Washington Post and settled a $275 million. That's like half a billion dollars there, folks against CNN in January. Fake news. That's what Donald Trump said. Fake news. Sandman's attorney, Lynn Wood, slammed Stelter, Brian Stelter, you know him. He looks like a little pudgy homosexual dude. Slammed Stelter on Monday after Stelter retreated. Now, this is after these cases are settled, and these people can't keep their mouth shut. So Stelter retreated a tweet from attorney Mark Zaid that stated... Those with zero legal experience, as far as I can tell, should not be conjecturing on lawsuits they know nothing about. Uh, so Sandman was un- says Sandman was undoubtedly paid nuisance value settlement and nothing more. In other words, he mocked the settlement. So the attorneys say that the retweet by Brian Stelter may have cost him his job at CNN. It is called breach of confidentiality agreement. Brian Stelter is a liar. I don't know how to, in other words, in, in, in these agreements, these financial agreements, there is a, when you sign off on them off often, you say, I'm not going to talk about this anymore, right? I won't divulge any details, uh, about, what we did for one another. We just leave it, right? It's secret between us. No talking. But Brian Stelter could not do that. <clears throat> In fact, not only Brian Stelter, but Asha 
Rengapa responded to Zaid's tweet by writing, I guess, 25K to go away. So anyway, now this thing, it's interesting. This is a high school kid, and I, 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 you can look it up on YouTube, and he's interviewed by an adult woman reporter, and she really asked him some pretty difficult questions and tried to put the pressure like, well, how come he didn't take more responsibility for this? And I, I thought, man, when this kid's talking, he is a pretty sharp kid. And she asked him some pretty hard questions. And, uh, and it's, it, you know, I, I appreciate his commitment, you know, because she was asking whether they were dogging or make, making any weird comments about the other groups there. And he said, you know, we're actually a Catholic high school. We don't do that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, way to go, dude, you know, standing up for your faith. Right. We don't say those type of things. Right. That doesn't go well with us. Right. So anyway, it looks like uh, not only uh, did they get a settlement of over one half of a billion dollars. I'm just still shocked at the numbers. But this thing now is not over again uh, because now they're going to go after these guys job because they're still they're still slamming. They created. In all the news media, a 180-degree incorrect scenario. They just create a scenario and bash this kid because he's Christian, he's Catholic, he's pro-life, he's pro-Trump. And the other dude was a Native American. And he had nothing but good things to say about him in the interview. He said, I'd like to talk to him. And he said, I, I didn't mean him any harm, and I wish it wouldn't have gone down like that, but he came up to us. We didn't go over to him. Pretty interesting, huh? So uh, let's see. Uh, honestly, there's some, there's some really good. Uh, if I wrote an article a few weeks ago that if you haven't read it, you should read it. I I submitted to Territorial Dispatch, but normally they run 100% of my articles. They wouldn't run this one. And I thought, well, maybe I was toxic in it or something. It was actually a very good article. If you want to go on to my website at nohostagesradio.com, go back a few weeks, and there's an article called Black Blacks Don't Matter to Black Lives Matter or something like that. Blacks, uh, Black Lives Matter don't care about blacks or something like that. And it's a very good article, and I don't mean I'm good, but I'm just saying that it's a it's an article based on very good research on three research done by three New York Times best-selling authors that research who's killing who in society, who's killing whom, what are they killing them for, what race are they, what not race, but what ethnicity, and uh, what's really going on. And are the cops killing lots of black guys or are the black guys killing lots of cops? And what's going on? And I wrote an article. It, it, I don't have time to talk about it here. I have it here, similar article here to talk about today, but I only have a, less than four minutes. I don't have time to do it, but you could read it. It's about an 850-word article. You, you could read it in five minutes, three minutes. Uh, and if you've ever wondered what the truth is, this is the truth. This is based on research of crimes, you know, one thing about law enforcement, and I've been, I have never been employed by law enforcement, but I've been a volunteer chaplain. And just being around law enforcement and fire for that, I've been around both as chaplain. 
they keep pretty meticulous statistics on everything. Every They know how many calls they did each day. They knew where they were. They know how long it took them to get there by the minute, how long they were on the call, how long it took to get away, who the subjects were, uh, what happened, what the disposition was. Did they get ticketed? Did they get a warning? Uh, and so certainly on crimes and they arrest people, they have all the ethnicities. And if there is ever uh, an officer involved shooting, people are putting off on they're put off on administrative leave. They have investigations. They keep track of every single thing. Is it a burglary? Is it an assault? Is it a robbery? Uh, is it a car theft? On and on and on. Sexual assault, uh, extortion, uh, embezzlement. They have all those statistics, and they're kept nationally. So it's it's not like hard to like go back and look and see how many officer involved whatever. Did the guy have a gun? Did he not have a gun? What the deal was? They have it all. It's all written down. So you can go back and check these things out. Well, that's what I wrote an article about in the editor or the owner of the of the new of the new owner of the paper uh was too nervous to run it. It's too bad when you're full of fear. The other thing I wanted to say, there's just a couple of minutes left. You know, there's this CARES Act is a fantastic hundreds of millions of dollars that are coming to states and into cities based upon the coronavirus. So the, the federal government's giving it to the state and then the state passes it on the cities. But but what Gavin Newsom is doing, if he's butt hurt by a city, city is resisting him. Then he is holding up the money. He will not give them the money. So Atwater, which is in Merced County, is one of the counties that that they declared themselves a sanctuary city. Atwater is declaring themselves a sanctuary city for businesses. So their businesses, they said, can stay open in the midst of COVID. Newsom didn't like that, so he's holding up $65,000 Um to Atwater, and there's another small town called Colinga. It's in Fresno County. Those are central California counties, if you're not from here. They're farming counties primarily, Fresno and Merced County. And uh, 65000 and 35000 and that's part of a first installment of $2.5 billion in federal funds at cities and countless counties. The state risks losing if they don't toe the line with corona safeguards. So Yuba Sutter County is where I'm living, is having the same problem, although they have kowtowed, I think that's a racist term, kowtowed to Newsom by not driving a bean up his nose and offering our businesses the same protection that Atwater has because they didn't want to risk having to fight for those dollars. They could have gone to Donald Trump and said, listen, Uh, They're not giving us our dollars because we want to do this or that. We have a right to do this or that. And probably Trump would give them the money direct. But they didn't have the Spaldings to do that locally. And so they're acting like a bunch of little whores for the money. All right. We're done for this evening or day, however you want, wherever you want to listen. I'm doing this in the middle of the night. So uh, we'll see you on the 8th. And uh, hope you do well. And if you see somebody this week that is a stranger, 
Make sure to treat them nicely because it may, the Bible says it may be an angel and you don't even know it. All right, see you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them.